What's up, libationaires, libationistas, libation nation nerds? Look, we all want optionality. Sometimes we don't feel like regular old libations that minute, that day, that week, that month, or maybe we're simply living an alcohol-free lifestyle. With Plif's flavor-forward lineup of classic cocktail-inspired THC drinks and bevies, there's something for everyone. Classic vices made nice and perfectly dosed with THC for any social occasion. Plift is BIPOC founded and committed to equity in our industry and our community as a whole. Follow us on socials at drinkplift or head to plift.com and check out our store locator for our ever expanding list of partners. And now, without further ado, here's Charles and some nerd named BQ. think about how hot it was at all until at the very end of it uh one of the executives from the company came up to give me a hug and i felt her hand touch my shirt and then i felt how wet my shirt was when it touched my back and i kind of felt her tense up for a second like and i was like i'm sorry but it's very hot out she just gotta embrace it she she like kind of Jumped for a second, and then she like went in for a full hug, and she's like, I'm Ooh. sweaty, too. Better hit that toasty sounder. <laughs> oh, no. What'd you hit? Wait, was it toasty? Toasty. There it is. Toasty. What did you do? We don't have the key on there right now, so <laughs> it's going blind. So we got dramatic hamster. I'm going to grab it while you speak. Right, that's perfect. Oh, God. Uh, also, I, I, Charles, I can't stop giggling about this. I have a thing where a lot of people have talked about this. This is not an original thought by Ben Kwan by any means, but uh, that you never like, you never actually see like somebody like cough or sneeze or anything on a television show. And uh, we've been doing this show for coming up on three years. And I just saw Charles sneeze for the first time. Mm. And I still think it's amazing that uh, like a good friend of ours was, was here telling a story and it like fucked my brain up enough that I had to stop the story to acknowledge and the more I thought about that, like, I don't know as normal of a everyday occurrence as that is. Like, I don't know if I could tell you how, like, my closest friends sneeze. Like, it's just a, it was a weird observation that. Maybe it's a pro wrestling's effect on my life, continued effect. Vince McMahon finds it. <laughs> Your allergies are kayfabe? No, Vince McMahon <laughs> finds sneezing a sign of weakness. So if someone sneezes in his presence, he definitely demerits them. Like, he doesn't look at them the same way. That is some Donald Trump right. shit right there. <laughs> it, uh... it really, yeah, that's some, like, dumb billionaire shit. That's what the fuck? What a dumb, what a dumb it's fucking very dumb. thing. It's very dumb. That is insane. Well, I mean, yeah, there's, there's lots of I'm a sneeze stifler. Like that's the problem. I stifle my sneezes. Are you a Probably are unhealthy. you are you a shake the walls of the house sneezer? I or? will throw my back out with a sneeze. <laughs> All right, see, I'm like, with you on yeah, that. Like I will throw my back out. <laughs> like I like I got to a point where when I'm like when I know it's coming, right, and it comes up fast. Yeah, right? Oh yeah. Uh, or I'm a like stare at a bright light or sun kind of sneezer. Mm-hmm. You ever heard of that? Mm-hmm. Thing? I'm the same way. Other people do. Sure. Um, the sun. Sun does it to me. Like I were like. I warm up to it. So, like, when I know it's coming, I relax my body, <laughs> right? And I, I get into a untense position. Your back. Like, yeah, untense my Do back. Do the pots start shaking? Because, like, I'll ruin, <laughs> I'll ruin my day, man. I'll, yeah. like, I'll, I'll throw my back out. It's, it's, uh, uh, it's a serious thing. So, yeah, yeah no, I, I prepare for a sneeze at this point in time in my life. 
All I can picture preparation. All I can picture is that that Kia song, the the my neck, my back. Yeah. I sneezed and fucked my back. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're just done. Oh man, yeah. I mean, you're I've, ruined a day. You're I've done it. Day. I've never I've never thrown my back out, but I've um, gotten that burn that you get from uh, quickly tensing a muscle in my neck. And I couldn't, I literally couldn't look over my right shoulder for like two days. It's the worst. I, I got to like, stretch for that. I'll show you because I do that all the fucking time. And I literally, like, I invented a stretch what? that you can do while sitting on the couch oh. that cures it. It like, it just puts it away. It's Lady, amazing. Ladies it's and gentlemen, amazing. we are breaking down boundaries yeah. and barriers. No, here. It's a real thing, man. Neck, so I'll it's do a, your Because I get that. It's, it's the where you can't, you can't look. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, I guess I'm Zoolander now. I only turn one direction. It's amazing. <laughs> I'm in. Let's it's fucking amazing. Go. I once had one of those things, and it was, I think, it was like two months. I had it for like two months. And every time I'd go to sleep, I'd like, it'd loosen up through the day, and I'd wake up just, I don't know, you know. Yeah. And so it was, and just one Ugh. day struggling, just trying to, you know, stretch and find this muscle. Yeah. Uh, found a... Fun stretch. I love it. Do okay, you, you, yeah. you ever think back to your younger days and all the insanely stupid shit you did that never hurt? Oh, yeah. And now, like, the most mundane That's why, the, that's why it hurts now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Everything. It's just, it's just delayed pain. Those are the reasons it hurts. Did now. I do a deferred payment? Uh, and now the interest is through the roof on my body. I, I know there's probably an explanation for every achy thing I have, and it has something to do with my teens and 20s. You're probably not wrong. Yeah. That's, yeah, when you, when you actually think about the receipts from those years, that's, that's a lot of, that's a high mileage no uh, run on the vehicle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you think you're invincible until you're not. Until you're invincible. Until you're Starring invincible. Vin Diesel. Vince McMahon. I like that. <laughs> Starring I'm, Vince McMahon. I'm 100% vincible. I'm yeah. like, I'm the vincible I'm man. I'm so vincible. <laughs> <laughs> Like the million dollar man, I'm the Vincible man. I'm the Vincible fucking man. superhero. That all right, shit. well, our, all, our title is now accounted for. <laughs> Vincible. Oh, man. Well, uh, man. I'm really excited to have you here. Uh, it's been. Happy to be here, man. It's been really fun. Uh, you were. How do I say this? Like, you were one of the chefs that I feel like I got to come up with. And to be able to sit in a chair and just get to talk to you about stuff, it, I feel like this is a long time coming and also the perfect amount of time for us to kind of simmer on this and, and actually get to hang out. Right now. Um, the way that, that, that we've overlapped through the years, whether it was uh, trying to fight stuff at the Capitol or trying to get good food out or just trying to figure out how to, how to hold hands enough to keep the industry together. 100%. Uh, it's, it's really cool to know that somebody that, like, like we don't know each other super well, but yet we've been in so many of the trenches together. It's like, I just got giddy when I was on my way here because yeah, yeah. I knew that we were going to have you. And it's just like, it's like having an old friend, but also a new friend at the same time. Is 100%, that man. And I think like we've crossed so many paths and been crossing paths. And, uh, you know, um, and I feel like there's so many people in our industry like this that yep. I just see on the regular. Yeah. And, yeah. but we haven't really got a chance to like have a drink. And really hang and really figure out what we're all about. Because <laughs> we're um, so busy doing everything else. <laughs> but you kind of, you know, there's so much association across association. And, and I For think sure. that's really a cool thing. But, um, no, this is uh, uh, a blast to be here and, and uh, uh, happy to, to, to hang out over a cigar and uh, uh, some tasty Chill. beverages. Would you, uh, f for our listeners who don't know that voice, would you introduce yourselves to all of our folks and kind of let them know uh, some of the... Uh, 
some of the establishments that you've uh, you've run slash accolades you've had? Yeah. So uh, uh, my name's Thomas Bamer, uh, Chef Thomas Bamer. Some people just call me Chef or just Thomas. Um, uh, usually I just go by Thomas, so it's, it works for me. Uh, but yeah, so right now we've got the Revival Restaurants. Twist Davis uh, Group is 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 our restaurant group, and I've uh, um, of course uh, uh, Nick Ranconi, longtime partner, and shout and, out to uh, Nick. Uh, Rich is our, our other partner, uh, incredible human being. And, um, you know, so that's, uh, uh, but it's just three of us and incredible team that run those restaurants. Uh, right now it's the Revival St. Paul, Revival St. Louis Park, uh, Revival Smoked Meats in South Minneapolis. Um, we've got two food trucks. You can find us at U.S. Bank Stadium and uh, at the Excel Energy Center at club level. The, uh, when you opened that spot at U.S. Bank Stadium, that's, I think, the most excited I've ever been for a bite of food at a sporting event. It was so much fun. And, and my favorite part was where, where the, the restaurant was located is right by sort of a standing room only overlook. It's like where a lot of people take selfies and stuff. You're kind of in the end zone looking out at the whole stadium. And it was I tried to get a picture of it, but I was in the middle, and so I couldn't quite get the scope of it. But there was this moment where me and 15 other human beings were all crushing sandwiches together awesome. and no one was talking, but everybody was just chewing and nodding at each other. And we said so much yeah, like yeah. all of those nods just said so much to each other. And like, we all kind of laughed, like everybody was kind of trying to pot talk, take pictures and, eh. and then we all sort of laughed and then everybody just dispersed back to our seats. Like we all had this little food <laughs> moment together. Yeah. I, you know, like I don't get me wrong. I've, I have long talked about on the show, my affinity for stadium dogs uh, I'm 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 here for the uh, the uh, plastic cheese nachos. I'm here for all of it. Mm-hmm. But when you can get something that's really, really unequivocally delicious while at said sporting event for not an entirely outrageous price in relation to the rest of the things there, that's uh, that's kind of the sweet spot. Yeah, and it, you know we just really wanted to do what we do at the restaurant at the stadium, and, yep. and, and so and that's kind of the cool thing, and you know, it's it's the same exact thing, same product, and uh, but it's, you know, I mean, come on, we're a small restaurant, we started as a 40-seat restaurant, Revival did, uh, in South Minneapolis, and then you're there for Vikings games, you know, and you've got people all over Minnesota coming coming out, it's just a really cool, uh, it's a really cool thing, it's very surreal, anytime I'm there, you know, it's really kind of crazy, but uh, um you know, man, it's like the you know where I've been led in this in this this industry and career. Uh, I've just been so fortunate. Um, but like, you just gotta always kind of continue to attack and try to find you know open new doors and try to figure out what you can do. So um, it's really cool. We you know we did uh, you know we started in South Minneapolis, the Kingfield neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, took over a small restaurant, Corner Tables, so people know uh, Corner Tables. Legendary. Uh, was just a killer spot, man. And uh, it was just so much fun. When I was a very young culinarian, I think I watched some PBS show, and they were talking to some chef in France, and he had this little small restaurant with 20 seats, and on a piece of notebook paper, wrote the menu for that week, you know, and it was like, man, I'd love to do that someday. Never once thinking that that's what I'd do. That's actually but what that's what did. Corner Table was. I mean, literally, you know, all the menus were just like sit down, piece of paper, pen, you know, what's in season, what are we doing, you know, look at the product list and really just kind of build a menu right out of your head. And, um, you know, you bring your other chefs and your other, you know, cooks into that process, and there's a lot of brainstorming. And, 
you know, you build on that year over year. We're bringing things back. We're going to do a little bit different, whatever. But that was corner table, and it was just, you know, um, it was really amazing, you know, but, you know, being there Mm -hmm. every single day, 12 hours a day, you know, um, and uh, so as much as I love that, you know, um, and I know I know Nick loved that as well. Uh, we both have kids, and it's it's cool, man. When we started, you know, we had little kids. You know, <laughs> now we've got big kids, yeah. right? <laughs> you know, so you grow. We all grow up together, and uh, so now they've got you know football games and soccer games, and you're doing like it's just a you know I was at a soccer game last night, so it's just kind of the thing, and you know cheering on the kiddo and and uh, you know having a great time. So That's just, awesome, you know, shifts, but. Uh, I love that. Charles, you got to quarter table plenty, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Actually, Nathan Beck, two-time former guest of the program, is uh, in the room right now with us. Uh, we had a, a legendary meal. I think that's the first time that we went to dinner with our wives together, actually, was at mm. quarter table. That's awesome. Yeah, and that was awesome. And legendary wine list, too. Mm. Oh, my God. Food yeah. is fantastic. And, like, you had to drink, at least for us, when you're there, you have to drink wine. The wine list yeah, was yeah. phenomenal. That was the... Uh, that was the first like really nice dinner I remember going to where I felt like, like for lack of a better term, like the, like these were my people. Like I didn't, I always felt like I was like putting on a costume and, and going in somewhere I wasn't supposed to be like undercover when I went to like a white tablecloth restaurant. And this was a place that had that same standard of food, if not better, but I didn't, I didn't feel like I wasn't supposed to be there. No, 100%. And however yeah, you yeah. cultivated that, I, I think that is such an important thing for people to find in any city anywhere is a place that devotes itself to quality and service that also feels inclusive, you know, that, that, that caters to the people in the neighborhood. It looked like the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. Like, and that was, I mean, it was really close to hard to do that. I know, I, I remember early on when I think Nick and I were getting to know each other you know, from a cuisine standpoint. And um, mm-hmm. I remember, like, him going over the menu and talking about it. And a lot of people would know and think about, you know, the later years when, you know, we did things like Gauchon and, and, and got known for, you know, the pork butchery and all these types of things that you think very heavy food, right? But Corner Table really had very subtle soft foods, I mean, tons of olive oil and, like, you know, just beautiful light touch and fresh ingredient. It was really, like, kind of the style, which I love to cook. Um, and, and there was meats there and things like that, but it wasn't, like, this wasn't a hit-over-your-head heavy kind mm. of situation. And I remember early on, you know, Nick was just like, man, I got to I gotta really rethink the type of wines that I really mm. want to bring into this, you know. And he, he was starting to bring in, you know, really early on a, a huge uh, um, diverse amount of natural wines and white wines mm-hmm. that really had structure and power and in lighter body reds because I wasn't it wasn't this thing where this big giant you know coming out of the you know early 2000s reds were just not going to work you know we just didn't cook like that there sure. wasn't a ton of dairy there wasn't a ton of butter i mean it was there and present in in the right ways but you know it, it definitely had more you know had a, a softer kind of presence to it and um so it was really amazing and early on in those you know those processes of of going over the weekly going over the menu you know there'd be these conversations Nick, like man i have this killer wine but 
you know, these fiddleheads are going to kill it, right? Because it's got a little bit of that ammonia, you know. It just, it, you know, it's like, well, it's, we'll pull that out. What if we kind of bring it? And so there was this conversation back and forth of not just pairing the wine with the food, but also being able to manipulate the food in the dish to really work with specific wines that, that you would just, like, like Nick would find, like, I got two cases of this. Right, you know, so we can run this menu for a week, you know, and and have this pairing, and that yeah. was constantly happening, and it was really a back and forth uh, about that in those early days. It was just really, really fucking cool, um, because it, that doesn't really exist, I think, that much in our yeah. industry. I think in in you know to to have that that back and forth conversation of food and wine enough that nothing is you know, is higher than the other, you know, in, in corner table was so important that there was the food wasn't more important than the service than the wine it all had to like swirl together and just kind of dance around on the table. Yeah, and you could see that. Absolutely. There was a, one of the, one of my favorite pairings of all time was your ridiculous, uh, cassoulet with, um, Nick suggested this Alsatian white and oh, like, yeah. Oh my God. That was like a, a toes curling moment for our entire table. Like you used that that bite and that pairing stopped four best friends from talking for like five minutes. And that's a, like again pairing a white with that right, mm. which I mean pork and white works. But like, like I mean, you would think I mean there's there's plenty of richness to be had in that dish, mm. you know. But like, man, you you bring these whites and these beautiful, you know, there's structure and minerality and like, you know, and he would get these wines that were just. Would make you rethink how a white could drink, you know. And, I, I think and, I remember asking him like, "Where can I find this bottle of wine?" And he just smiled. Yeah, he was like, "You can't." No, no, <laughs> like, yeah. There's a bunch that you could find similar, but you won't find this wine. Like, oh yeah, we yeah. got what Minnesota had. Yeah. <laughs> it's here. He so would just come back. <laughs> relationships with, you know, one guy that would bring in this one wine, and that yeah. was it. And we just buy it all up, and that was you know what you had and, and there was no more coming into minnesota <laughs> probably ever That's i remember the dessert wines were also well ahead of their time yeah, oh yeah the first place i saw sauternes on a menu yep which was you know like illuminating like oh shit sauternes on a restaurant menu yeah in mm. the pinot de Chiron, which is nick oh, like he man. first brought that yes. into the and man that was we did and we would cure foie gras in that we would I mean, make just be, but I mean, he brought it. It was you know this beautiful, beautiful dessert wine um, that I think he really kind of put on the map there because yep. it was just such a signature yeah. for us. Yeah, it opened my eyes a lot, and then that carried on. Uh, I believe it was uh, one of the first times that I had fried chicken at Revival. Um, busted out that uh, Treveri sparkling Gewürztraminer, and that just like again completely fucked my brain up. I had never had a sparkling Gewürztraminer in my life. I had never thought to pair that with chicken. And then after that, I could not not do that. Uh, I literally, through one of my restaurants, I brought a case of that home just because I wanted to have that on hand for whenever I did something like that. It's, it's, I mean, it's Gewürztraminer, Riesling blend. But I mean, like, the cool thing, like, Nick worked with the winemaker to develop this wine um, he had a good relationship with the winemaker, knew his wines well, but it went as far as he went down, worked with the winemaker when the wine was ready for um, the uh, um, 
I'm losing the word. My my uh, uh, to set the sweetness level, um, like the, the bricks. Uh, yeah, it's a d- different name for it. Sure. I, I'm just floating on top of my head. But either way, like send us a you know five different bottles to taste. So we would sit there and taste it with the chicken to find the perfect mm. oh, match. And um, and and it was just like that kind of commitment he always had with the wine board. It was just so amazing. But also, yeah, going a totally different way and knowing, like, just knowing that, like. I'm going to wait. I'm going to do this. You know, as we're getting ready to open this restaurant, it's like I got this thing I'm working on, you know, and it's, you know, and that's been a jazzy bone. It's still there, and, and wow. it's it's an amazing uh, partnership that he's had with that winemaker yeah. that still carries on today. Uh, also, the scene, Charles, of one of my favorite sports memories. Uh, I went to eat there, and as as Chef said earlier, it's uh, it was, you know, the original revival was 40 seats, and it was a compact 40. It was, oh, yeah. uh, it, it was, it was tight in there. And I was, was sitting at easy a, to get into. Yeah, and I was sitting. It was shortly after you guys opened. It was uh, I was at a table, a two top, and uh, Kyle Rudolph came in from the Vikings' former tight end and sat down. And he's six five, six six. You know, big dude, up, upper two or mid twos. And then two of the offensive linemen came in and they sat down. And it was they were that was the welcome dinner for Sam Bradford. When he yes, uh, when right. he came in, yeah, former yeah. quarterback of the Vikings, and so they're sitting at the table next to us, and the gentleman that I was dining with is is similar in size to to you and I, chef, and uh, so we're having a conversation and like you know just trading some some chit chat back and forth with them, and you were there that night and you came by just to say hi and like thanks for coming in whatever, and I remember you in and back and, and Sam looked at Kyle and said. So, so is everybody in Minneapolis just an alternate for the Vikings, or how does this work? <laughs> and then he kind of like looked around, and yeah, we just had a whole crew of big dudes that were all sitting there excited to eat chicken. And I was like, yeah, I mean, if, if you guys need help, just let me know. We I'll be this. terrible. We got this. But I'll throw my body at things if you need me to. <laughs> Whatever I can do to put on the jersey, I'm in. <laughs> uh, we have, we have Miss Kell in front of us. Yeah, what are I we feel drinking? like we should get into that. Tell us about it. So uh, this is a bottle I just picked up. Uh, it was a recommendation from Dylan at France 44 in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. It's uh, erstwhile Mezcal. And um, it's a, uh, a female-produced, uh, collective-owned. They do um, straight collective uh, for equity with all of their partners. So they're really into sustainability. Um, they don't do any, uh, like, bargain pricing with anybody it's basically like rising tides raise all ships. So they work on partnerships with a number of family-owned places. They try not to work with any giant legacy companies at all. It's all just small groups getting together. Almost their entire about page is devoted to either equity or sustainability. And I just thought, as we've talked about on the show a little bit, that as something gets newly popular, it's always a worry that we're just going to torch the ground and ruin everything like we do with everything else. So whenever there's a chance to try and support somebody that's doing it, quote unquote, the right way, uh, we want to try and do that. Also, uh, I will always say if you find a place that has really good selection on anything that you're into, talk to the people that work there and, and just ask open questions and you'll get guided to stuff. I would have passed by this and not really even thought about it simply because the name didn't connotate like really quality mezcal in my mind. And then the minute I looked up the story after he recommended it to me off the flavor, I was absolutely taken away. Uh, so it's better than the branding looks. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I like the little jug bottle. I think that's actually pretty great. Bottle's cool. I like the baby blue strip. I don't like the logo. Yeah. But that's my review. Not my, uh, but 
It's really good. Yeah, it's very so supple. It's like delicate and sweet. This is one of those types of mezcals that would teach somebody that not all mezcal is, you know, burning rubber or smoke because this is very delicate. I agree. Uh, some people would probably have difficulty guessing that it's a mezcal, it's particularly people who don't have a lot of experience with it. Mm, yeah. Yeah, very soft. Well, let's, uh, um, let's cheers to that. Cheers. I like that there's almost like mm. a, on the back of my tongue, there's a little bit of like almost menthol. Mm-hmm. Like there's a little like fresh, minty's not the right word, but like a cooling yep, yep. to it. I really enjoy that. Yeah, it's, it is, it has a fresh characteristic, I would say. A little black pepper on the back end as well. The reason we ended really up here. with the cigar too. Yeah, so the reason that we ended up here is he was asking kind of like what we were going to be doing while we were drinking it. And we were going in a different direction at first. And then when I talked about that we were going to be smoking cigars, kind of going back to what we were just saying about the, the Gewürztraminers and the Whites was that um, he thought that the, f- the fruity sort of sweet fresh side would be a nice contrast to um, sort of, you know, a rich cigar. And I think yeah. I agree with him with, with what I'm smoking. I really enjoy that back to back. Yeah, I have a pretty delicate cigar and it works really nicely together. Just oh, all wonderful. of that like fruitiness, the light bit of pepper and kind of that fresh characteristic, lightly sweet. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's working really nicely together. But yeah, it can be really intimidating. Like everybody, no matter where you are, it can be intimidating going into a, a store and trying to figure out, like you want to try and get into something. I will always tell everybody, ap- appeal to, to the brilliant minds in the room, people that get yeah. paid to do that. Um, go up and explain what you want to use it for. <laughs> Obviously drinking, but like in what c- scenario? And then just say, you know, could you guide me to a couple ideas? And then you can kind of figure it out from there. But it really does help uh, when you have somebody who does this for a living. It really is nice to talk to somebody. And I have yes. yet to find a place that, doesn't, that isn't excited to at least help you out. And if you should speak to somebody who doesn't quite know those intricacies, they will find you someone that does. Correct. And if no one does, consult the internet or go to another store. Go to another store. <laughs> <laughs> and mostly you go know, to another store. You can't be afraid to, like, try something either. Yeah. And like, yeah. you know, build your own repertoire, build your own knowledge, you know, and you do that through, you know, just getting into a bottle, man. Yes. And like, and I, I, I'm, I'm a huge proponent of that. Um, we see it in the restaurants all the time. Like, so now we sit in like, not my, you know, but sit in other places and people will be like, yo, can I get a sample of this beer and a sample of this beer? It's like, yeah, buy the fucking beer. Yeah. And, and, and drink it and then sample it and like, you know, invest in it. Get to know it, become friends with it, like like you know. It's just like one that shit's really expensive. Yeah. Like craft beer is really expensive. Like it was this weird world in which like people were just tasting and like you know I was you know I went taking like you know I'm gonna have a three ounce pour of every beer on your you know twenty <laughs> big, beer. This is all free, beer, right? Like, it's like, a taproom trope. The right. guy comes in and asks for a sample. Yeah, of we need to get rid leaves. of that, man. We need to <laughs> get rid because this is a thing, like. One sip of something doesn't do it. Like, you need to, like, you need to take a sip. All right. Then you take, like, you, it needs to change temperature. Yeah, exactly. Hand as it touches the glass. Like, the flavors change as you get yeah, through it, as it sure. sits and evolves on your palate. Like, how does it pair with the food I'm eating or the cigar I'm smoking? Like, you got to get to know it. So this little tasting thing I'm not into... I agree at all. It's also, it goes back to sort of the same theory that I have about the records in my house. When I ask, when guests come over, I I ask them to pick a record and put it on and people will get like deer in headlights. And I'm like, there's no wrong. 
these were all picked to be here because they're good. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you're at a liquor store and it's there, unless it's like, you know, on the, the bottom shelf or like macro produced, it was chosen because it's good by somebody who works there. So you're not going to, there's no like poison bottle. It's not just going to like taste like farts. Like yeah, it's, sometimes you know. it's fun to take a shot in the dark too. Yeah. You know, you say, Hey, you know what? That bottle of mezcal is uh, $36 and I like the way the bottle looks and yeah. the description. Yeah, uh, I'm going to take it home. Let's see, see what it's like. I'm sure it's not terrible because then it wouldn't be on the shelf. I used to, uh, I used to pre Napster and LimeWire and then streaming. Uh, I literally used to just go to the store and I would, if I didn't, if I couldn't find an album I was looking for, I would buy an album just by the cover art or the name or the names of the songs and then take a swing. There were some ones that I, I didn't love and I feel like I kind of wasted my money on, but I found a bunch of bands I never would have found Absolutely. if it wasn't for just randomly taking a shot. Absolutely. And I think we used to do more. Like, I, I don't know. I miss like, I think the album days I and mean, people have this worked to death, but like, I will say it's one thing on like an album, you know, you get that, you know, the, the singles or whatever we listen to you know, nowadays, but like listening through an album, right? I have never once, and you hear people talk about the experience where like they listen to an album, they're just floored. They say, oh, this is the most amazing thing. Like to me, listening to an album front to back for the first time is almost like you got to get it out of the way. Mm-hmm. Like you just got to get it. Like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to listen to it. I'm get it. Like, because like, you, are you, you saying so you can hear it all or so that you can get the experience as a composition? It's, it's almost like you need to get it over with, like, because, like, there, there's something to, to have. I, you know, I, like, you got to know, you got to get a feel for it, but it takes time to really learn yeah. to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. You know, sure. some of my favorite albums front to cover have some of the coolest fucking songs that really take you places, but that became my favorite songs after like the 10th time of listening yeah, to Yeah, absolutely. Some music grows you know? on you and some gets you instantly, but my favorite stuff takes time. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and it's almost like in all that music, like the first time listening, it's almost like, oh, this is weird, I don't know. Like, but at, like... As it grows and you really start, because I'm a music, I'm a musician, music guy, love, you know, that instrumentation and really takes time to figure out what people are doing. Your first listen through, you can't really, you know, it's, it's like, so like you're driving too fast to see the scenery, you know? Yeah. You, you, you got to kind of, you you're know. Seeing the Monet. And then you can look at the tree and the lady sitting yeah, underneath it and yeah, the flowers the brush are growing the individual, yeah. 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 And, and so that's what, I, that's what I dig. I don't think we spend that quantity of time on anything, right, any entertainment in any way uh, now, which is, uh, you know, unfortunate. But That's part of the reason. You're in a good room for that. Yeah. I'm, an, I'm an album listener. And we've, this has been a topic mm-hmm. that we've broached before as we kind of ask, like, are you a song listener, a playlist listener or an album listener i'm an album listener i want to hear yeah. the composition because i also want to hear the story that's being told they're not always telling a story some musicians are literally writing just like a composition of various songs that don't really yeah. have much to do with one another but a lot of musicians particularly the ones that i enjoy the most are creating a composition and often writing a, a narrative story from track one until track 11 or 13 or nine or whatever it might, might be and for me that's the real art in that form is listening to it and collecting all of that data and, and oh, computational music and yeah. seeing the whole picture for what it is. And then, yeah, you go back and you can like hear the words that are being spoken and understand a little better, hear the notes that are being played and understand that a little better. That's, that's fascinating. And yeah, I, I it'd be nice if people um, maybe tried to, 
I'm not being curmudgeonly, but I think that perhaps it's worth trying if you've never tried it before to see. Right, a first refusal. Maybe you like it. Uh, well, yeah. and and I'm a hybrid because yeah. in my in my car, I almost exclusively listen to playlists that I've created because I don't get a ton of time. No, no, like, you're yeah, you're ten minutes. You're, you're yeah. getting clipped up. Yeah. So if that's the case, then I just I just want to hear songs. And I mean, my current jams playlist that it's my most listened to is somewhere around two or three thousand songs. I mean, it it there's a lot to go through, but when I'm at home. It's a full album, and that's why we've switched. There's no other way to play music in my dining room than a record because I love nothing more. That's when I'm taking time for myself, and I love nothing more than getting to process that whole thing. And, again, our, our tastes change, just, you know, just like our taste buds do. Our ears change. And now I've gotten so much more. I was a lyric guy as a kid. I'm a writer. Yeah, yeah. Like The lyrics were always the thing, and then if everything else sounded great, cool. And now I've just started nerding out and trying to figure out, like, what language is the bass player speaking? What is the drummer trying to say? And a lot of times those are the long stories being told. Yeah, yeah. You know, you can get a concise lyric and you can tell a quick story in a song if you need to. But I want to hear the full conversation that that drummer is having with the rest of the band. I want to hear what the lead guitar player is playing. And then I want to know how the rhythm guitar player is talking back to him. And that I think you can really only grasp uh, in its entirety if you listen to the whole album. Like, I want to hear the whole conversation. Tells you about the band as a family, too. Like, how they interact as a family unit. Yeah. Because they each bring something different to the table. And they all, ha all had to agree on making their individual art forms one art form. Which is absolutely fascinating if you think of it that way. Sometimes I get myself fucked up, though. Because I'll get in the car and I'll play an album from the beginning. And I play three tracks before I get to my destination. Well, I'm doing something for an hour or two hours. And when I get back in the car... I'm not in a mood, the mood yep. for the, the artist I was oh, listening yeah, yeah, to when yeah, I no. got in three hours ago, and then I start something else from the beginning. Precisely why I can't do it. Yeah, right. Like, I then I get try. mad. I still try sometimes. Yeah, if I'm, if I'm on a road trip, like, I will play, so I'm a, like, kind of weird about, like, like, a musical conditioning. All right, mm -hmm. so this is a thing. It's kind of fucked up. But, like, like I believe in, in conditioning your mind for certain activities. Mm -hmm. Um. You know, I build things. I love to build a woodworker, a luthier. So a lot of times when I start a project that I'm building, and it may be a very long project, I will play one album <clears throat> for the extent of that entire project. And when I go, you know, into the workshop and I start working, I press play on that album, and I'm only listening to that album through the whole project. And someone asks me, like, why, why do you... Why do you it's insane. Why do you do I, that? I think that's amazing. Well, this is the thing. Like, like sometimes when you have a large project, something you're building, um, you don't always go to it when you want to go to it. And, and when you go to it and, and step in that space to work, um, you're not always excited or prepared mentally for the tasks that you need to do at that point in time in the process. Uh, you know, every project about how much you love what you do um, has processes that are just not fun or not, you, just, you know, maybe too tedious for your mental state, whatever. And for me, I use music as conditioning, like you press play and all of a sudden it just kind of sinks your, mm. your mind in and bring sucks you right back into working on this very thing that's in front of you. Rad. And uh, and so I've used that as a tool throughout the years 
Um, and I love doing that. Uh, those around me that have to listen to it, I apologize and I'm sorry for that. But uh, <laughs> like I've heard this album, or you're welcome, like so 50 times. You oh, know, okay. um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it's a long project. It's a tough one, you know. Yeah. But it's just like it gets me right into the zone of sure. what I'm doing. I can pick up right where I went back, mm-hmm. no matter before opening the door and walking in that room. You know where I'm at. Like I can, you know, it, it sucks me right back into that. That I just, readiness. I just want to r- remark for anyone who's unacquainted that a luthier is a guitar builder. Yes, is yes. That, yep. Is that from the from the base of the same word where loot comes from? You know that I'm not sure. And I, I think I, so. I no idea. Because um, that would have been the predecessor to a guitar. Yeah, and my presumption is that yeah. that is yeah. where it. Crazy. I, I was the etymology of that. I'm glad that you got there because I was literally my next question was going to be. I just want to dial that back and say I've never heard that word before. Yep. But that's uh, that's fantastic. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy, um, and I've seen some of your your works, and holy shit! Yeah, I like stunning. I like to get into it. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and and uh, you know, I, I was a cabinet maker for a number of years. I love woodworking, but kind of like food, I like to take things to a very obscene uh, ridiculousness, and and how far you can go on levels of 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 just creating beauty and perfection and. In less perfection, I'm not 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 obsessed. I mean, you hear chefs talk about this, you know, endless pursuit of perfection. I'm not that guy. Um, I love the craft of it. I love the beauty of creation. Uh, and I like creating beautiful things, um, and I like to figure out how to do them better. Mm. Um, you know, guitars are 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 just very. Um, you know, they can be very simple. They can be very complex. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, just the, you know, uh, you know, the dial, dial caliper is like my enemy and friend because <laughs> it's just like, you know, the amount of time I spend obsessing over a half a millimeter is insane. There's a lot of guitar um, players right now that are nodding along with you on yep, that. Yep. <laughs> uh, a half a millimeter is a huge distance. Um, and, uh, you That's know, what I, I like to say. I work in <laughs> metric. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Because I'm tall. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's what I, that's what I meant. <laughs> I, uh, I think I've only got to see you play once, though. I think it was at the Charlie Awards. It was the only time that I got to see. I uh, w- One of the coolest moments in my life was getting to write the sc- co-write the script for our food awards here in the twin cities and uh in that award show we got two of my favorite gems one was a bunch of the chefs we pre-taped um basically reading mean tweets reading mean yelp reviews of your restaurant oh yeah legendary and i think if i remember right your the one that you guys read was that somebody was mad that the fried chicken (laughs) had had touched grease it was greasy it was greasy (laughs) uh this fried chicken is greasy (laughs) But then I got to watch you guys. There was a whole a whole band full of chefs that, that came out, and like all of my favorite people in food were all on stage, just fucking rocking out. And I I stood up at one point and realized I was the only person standing up. And then I just kind of kept rocking, and then I sat back down. Probably wasn't obvious either. Yeah, exactly. Again, I'm very short. <laughs> I'm average. <laughs> I'm that average. Was, that was a fun award show. That, that was a, a cool thing. And I, yeah, I, I like you know. Um, It'd be cool to bring that back. It's, you know, uh, 
hopefully they, they, they get that together. It was a, I thought it was a really cool thing that, that the Twin Cities did. And, uh, it was always amazing to see everybody in the industry and the industry uh, be represented and, and uh, locally because we do. We have uh, some real stars in our, in our world. and, and uh, definitely. It, it never stops. I mean, every year there's people doing things that are just really, really fucking cool. Yeah. Um, and finding different ways to approach our industry and change it and evolve it. Um, and uh, so uh, that was a cool way to kind of highlight that. Fuck yeah. So should we, I, should I we get into this? Yeah. Yeah. Mind meld. Let's go. You're up first, yeah? I am up first. Chef, do you love or hate having company in the kitchen or around the grill when you're doing your thing? Ooh, well, not my favorite. Not my favorite. I, you know, I guess it would depend on the company. It would okay. take it as you on want. The company. Mm-hmm. Um, it might shock you, but I have a specific way in which I believe everything in a kitchen and/or grill should be done. What? That doesn't sound right. And oddly enough, I don't have a lot of flexibility in those <laughs> feelings or thoughts. <laughs> and suggestions aren't always like the funnest thing for me to hear. Uh, probably something I could work on because there are different ways and approaches. Like, but I, I approach every single thing I do with a, like a very specific purpose. And, uh, I like to do that when I'm cooking. Fuck yeah. I'm the opposite, probably because I am not, uh, quite to, to your level or your talent. Uh, I, I'm the more the merrier. I love, if I could literally when my wife and I have been talking about when the, interest rates come back down that we're probably going to move into a bigger house and she we were talking you know just sort of dream dreaming about like what we would want i was like babe i want two bathrooms so that there's one (laughs) for boy stuff and i want a big kitchen that's it because i love having people in i got music going usually if i have people over because that's the one thing that it's the one hobby of mine that i haven't monetized for myself so cooking is like a refuge for me where it's oh, only yeah. done casually. It's never done professionally. So it's always a, a moment for me to sort of center myself. And all I want is all of my people around me when I'm doing that. 100%. Um, you know, I have a, it, it's the 20th anniversary this year of my uh, barbecue with my best friends. And that's, I think my favorite part is it's the one time of year that the four of us are in the kitchen together. And it's, it, it is absolutely the best. And, you know, a lot of us have partnered up now and have incredible spouses and they come and hang out and that's even more fun because then usually they're giving us shit and we're laughing about it and music's going and everybody's kind of dancing. And that's almost equal to the serving of the meal to me is that moment of creating something that didn't exist before by combining a bunch of things together and then turning around and like with the spoon, you know, like feeding people so they can taste everything as it goes and you can see how the flavors are changing. That is everything that I love about it. And it's why in every one of my restaurant jobs, I was always drawn to the kitchen because I just wanted to hang out with everybody back at house. You can have these great conversations and say the most awful things and the most hilarious things. And then like really brilliantly insightful conversations all going at the same time while there's a mixture of, Everything from Buena Vista Social Club to reggaeton to punk rock to hip hop to classic rock to jazz, all as like the background and all of them work. You know, it's one of those weird and very, very rare scenes 
where you can kind of make anything work with it as long as everybody's kind of in on it. And I just love that feeling. Like if there is any, the, the kitchen would be the biggest room in my house if it was possible. Yeah. Uh, much to my wife's dismay. Well, we're, I mean, my lady and I, but you know, talking about where we're, we're, we're stepping into the beginning processes of kitchen remodel. Mm. Uh, she's the one person that I love having side by side with me in the kitchen. Yeah. Um, and we are in the kitchen cooking meals once, twice, sometimes three times a day. Yeah. Every single day. There's not a day that goes by that we're not both in the kitchen cooking together. Sure. Um, which is uh, a really kind of, you know, it, it's, it's something I look forward to on a daily basis. Oh, yeah. And it's really changed my desire to go out to eat. Oh, absolutely. Because we cook some really amazing shit. Out no. of our house. And it's just like, <laughs> well, and we just like, it's kind of ridiculous sometimes. Yeah. Like, what do you want to make tonight? Yeah. You know, and we'll make it. Like, you know, I That's mean, we did this thing in, in the middle of COVID on one of the coldest days of the year, negative 20 degrees. And I was doing some casting for a show and like I had to cook all these practice recipes and things like that. And I had to do it. It was just cold. You know, it was insanely cold. Was it B Bobby Flay? It was not. This was a different <laughs> thing later on. Um, but uh, uh, that I didn't practice for. I probably should have. But uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, 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 it wouldn't have taken two times. I think maybe if I practiced a little more. But uh, um, but I remember doing this, and we're cooking on the grill. We're in Carhartts, and like, and we had you know shucked oysters lined up on the railing, you know, of yeah. snow, just well, kind of sitting man. in the snow, and a bottle of champagne, and we got the grill going, and it's like nighttime and negative twenty degrees, and yeah. we're like trying to suck down these oysters before they freeze <laughs> in the yeah. shell. I mean, it was, but it was just such an amazing memory and such an amazing time. I love that, um, and it was just like it's a cool way that I think we connect. And yeah. we can't because we both come from this industry, and there's a true love um, for that kind of existence and through food and and um, you know sharing that time together. It's just always been really cool and amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. What about you, Charles? I love that. So I don't know if maybe I spent too much time in isolation in my own kitchen, or if it was um, finally like living with a woman for the first time, which was Marnie before, you know. After we moved in together, obviously. I'm sorry, who's that now? Marnie. Oh, yeah, I, I think I met her. Well, did you hear something else? No. no. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> I used to hate it. It used to be, get the fuck out of my way, I'll let you know when it's done. But I think there was an isolation of that where I started to host bigger holidays where everybody would be watching football for Thanksgiving, for instance, and I'd be slaving away in the kitchen almost entirely by myself. And being like, oh, I wish people were in here with me. But I think maybe cooking with Marnie also has changed that dynamic in me. Now I like having people around. They don't even have to be on the other side of the island. Kwame, you have recent firsthand experience when mm -hmm. we had the Negroni party at my house a couple weekends ago. It was not so nice outside. And I had these beautiful beef tenderloins that I wanted to cook off. And it was 30 mile an hour winds outside. And um, it seemed like there was a threat of even more rain than we'd already had. So I just put a pan on the stove and started searing off these tenderloins, slicing them up, putting 
this Aji Criollo that I made with uh, ramps and MSG and shit was cilantro, so jalapenos, oh. and the whole deal. And then passing the cutting board around until it was empty. And if it came back over to me and people still had the dough eyes, then I would bust out another one, throw it in the pan, and do the same, same thing over Note again. to all of our listeners, we always had the dough eyes. I don't the think anybody tapped there. out on that. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and it, was, no, it was great, too. It was a full kitchen, and I didn't have any room. Yeah. I was basically in a pocket right in front of the burner telling people, this is hot. You know, if you burn yourself, it's not my No fault. touchy. No touchy until, until daddy done. Yeah. And uh, I, I just, I don't know when that changed, but it used to be that I hated it, and, and now I love it. And I, I like having the company and people talking to me. Now, I will say, if you look at the other interpretation, if I'm in your kitchen, you should ask me to leave because I'm a kitchen dom. If you're cooking and I see something that, like, not that, like, I can do it better, but if I have just, like, a suggestion or something I can do, I just start doing it. So when Marnie prepares meals, sometimes she wants to prepare the meal, but I can't help myself. If there's a peeler and potatoes on the counter or, like, some garlic, I just look at the garlic and I'm like, that garlic's got to get smashed, baby. What better person to do it than me? I'm qualified. Let me step in here. And- yeah, right? So uh, some people like it, though. If I'm at a friend's house and they're cooking something and maybe they're a little bit unsure of themselves and... I can usually assess. I think I have a good, uh, a good level of assessment for whether somebody actually wants my help or not. And I can usually tell if they don't want it. And then I'm like, I better just go outside and leave you alone. But that, that's the other dynamic, I think. Uh, my, my wife kicks me out of the kitchen. She, yeah. doesn't, she doesn't want my help. She wants to do, do you it all herself. Do, do you start to fiddle? 100%. Yeah. yeah, yeah I can't. I can't I'll start like, asking I'm questions. Like, uh, like, I got I, I to gotta do something. I can't just sit here. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'll agree with you, Charles. It is, it is nice. Um, it, what you just said actually reminded me. Uh, I got to give a little shout out. Uh, we lost an incredible, incredible human being and an incredible chef. Uh, Mama Rosa, uh, my friend's mother, uh, recently passed away uh, after after a battle with with illness, and uh, she opened her own restaurant in New York uh, as an Italian immigrant, and it's been around for 20, 30 years. It was incredible, and I never got to eat there, but um, she was already unfortunately ill by the time that I got to New York to go visit them in their new place just across the border in Connecticut. But Vanessa, her daughter, my friend, is also an incredible cook, and she asked if I would cook with her. Uh, she wanted to make alla metricciana. And I was like, I would love to. Like, uh, consider me your sous. I'll just do, oh, I'll yeah. do whatever. Yeah. Consider me your whatever, your prep cook, whatever you want. So I'm just like chopping onions. And then she kind of just started asking more like, well, what would you do here? And I'm like, okay, well, let's start going. And uh, Rosa called because she wanted to know who this American boy was that was cooking with her daughter in the kitchen. And Vanessa put her on speaker and she only spoke to me in Italian. But... Um, I, you know, I just said grazie and, and Vanessa hung up and she goes, you know what she said? And I said, yeah, she said, cook the pancetta first and then cook the onions in the pancetta fat. And she was like, do you speak Italian? And I'm like, nope, but I got enough words in there that, that are at least you from like the romantic family. It. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, also, that's what I was going to do. So I'm hoping that's what she said. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. That's but it was, it was uh, the fact that Vanessa told me later that the fact that she hung up after that was like, okay. This boy is allowed in my daughter's kitchen. Awesome. <laughs> we got to do that. So uh, shout out to Mama Rosa. Uh, it, it was an honor to get to hang out with you uh, and, and to get to talk to you. And I will continue anytime cooking for your daughter. So shout out, to, uh, shout out to all of the people that have provided and taught all of us what we need to do in the kitchen. Seems like a good time. Cheers. Fuck yeah. I'll cheers to her. Hey, I, cheers. I'm empty, I think. Oh. It happens. happens. 
with my beverages. ASMR? Well. Oh. No, that one doesn't really. Yeah, that one's. Ooh. That one's a weird cork. That doesn't pop. Fill her up. May as well pop myself off, too. All right. Cheers, fellas. There we go. You know, you get thirsty. Yeah. Cheers. All right. Uh, question number two. Yes. As we all age, as we said earlier, our tastes change, but so do our habits. What, uh, Chef, what does relaxation look like to you today? Like, imagine no one's in the house. You have nothing that you have to do the next day. What is, what is a night at home with you consist of? What is your most relaxing? So, I mean, for, for me, if I'm really trying to, like, really chill, getting in the workshop, uh, building, uh, working on guitars, other projects, that my mind is the most at rest in its perfect state. When it is in process. Okay. And when I'm in the middle of process. So that is like the, but there's not, in, in my life, there's very rarely enough time to, you know, jump in and do a thing. You know, I try to make time for that. Um, so sometimes it's just turning up an amplifier and guitar very, very loud. What are you playing? <laughs> in play. Any 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 style in particular or uh so yeah so lately I've been last like five years I've been doing this um, music to me that just makes me feel very like Midwest Americana oh, yeah. um, and even like I lived in Missouri for a number of years like. I mean, it almost blends notes of jazz and country and blues and some modernity in, in with it as well. Um, you know, I can uh, sometimes it's like and I like I, I'll play loud, like really loud um, at my house, and uh, you know, just like bring the reverb up on the amp until the reverb adds another layer of distortion like you'd hear in a lot of old records. I mean, yeah. like think like... Um, like sleepwalking uh, kind of stuff? Like, like Roy dun, Buchanan. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And like Roy Buchanan is just a huge influence for me. Uh, his guitar work, um, probably about 50% of the music I play is on an old beat-up Telecaster that yes. I've had forever that I did build, but it's just... You know, it, it it sits in the corner of the room. It falls over all the time. It's like, but it like you know, it, it, half of that. And then I've got a guitar up in in my you know bedroom that I play. It's a hollow body, and I love it. Um, play totally different music on that, but so that's like just cranking that reverb, uh, getting it to distort in weird ways, and and uh, so that kind of thing. Like love listening it. to the hollowness of the notes and reverberations of shit and i i find that like even doing it all play for an hour two hours straight um and uh man it just kind of gets me chilled the fuck out do you find yourself being your own personal tone master when you're at another person's show mm. like i the the most toxic thought that i have is when i disagree with a guitarist tone at a live show because it 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 absolutely pickles it for me it just ruins oh. it well, I mean, so often I'm like, wow, this could be so much better, <laughs> um, you know, and, and but then sometimes, man, you see some guys, even with like the, because I'm kind of a gear 
I'm definitely a gearhead, not just like, I mean, I like really nice amplifiers, I like really nice guitars, um, but sometimes I will see people with just great gear as well, and they just play and sound phenomenal, it's wonderful, and I'm very appreciative, but sometimes you'll just see just wonderful players um, that with gear that you would, like, you know, I would struggle with, just make the most incredibly, they're just so dialed into that. You know, because it doesn't, I mean, a lot of the music that we listen to and, you know, you know, and, and, it, and it was there that, that and as music has evolved, I mean, there was no good gear or bad gear. That was just the gear that created the sounds that we became to listen to. So we called that good gear because that's what we, it's because what, it, what the music was created on. Mm. And so it's kind of a chicken egg kind of situation. And some people just have this ability. They're just such great players with great touch, and they're so in tune with the rest of the band and what's going on. They play at the right time, the right notes, and really just make it sing. And that's always when I'm just so impressed. And that can be a bass player. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that can be, a, a, you know, a drummer hitting it just right, whatever it is. And I just love when, when you go and see a band and they're just – Man, they're just tight and they're just killing it together, you know. And that's the coolest thing, absolutely. More so than me, like just checking out the guitar player uh, and what's going on there. But um, that's really always amazing to see. And I find it like I want to see that more. <laughs> um, I got I was at a place the other day, like uh, just watching this band, and and uh, it, was, it was like a Wednesday night. Just stopped in this club, you know, local spot, small stage three-piece on a whisper of a stage, you know, amps are hanging off the edge and barely enough room for a drummer. Um, and these three guys were just tight, and they were just, they rehearse all the time. You can tell they were into what they were doing, and they just sounded really good. There's, cool. there's a dude, I, I, I saw him almost 20 years ago, and I get to see him again. He's playing the State Fair this year. He's from Oklahoma. His name is Mike Hosty. And he plays a custom built for, he built it himself, um, bass and guitar together. And he plays oh, rhythm on bass with his thumb. And then he picks the other four strings with his other four fingers. And it's the wildest shit. Wow. And he somehow manages to be in the pocket with both sides of the guitar. he play with a drummer? He used to play with a drummer. Uh, they were called the Hosty Duo. And it was, I saw him open for uh, a band that I loved uh, with, I don't know, maybe 100 people in the club. And I don't think my mouth closed once. I was just in awe because the drummer was so on point with that. I don't know. I think the State Fair might be a solo thing. Um, at least that's how it's... Uh, Are there any vocals? Yeah, he sings. So he's... He sings okay. sings while playing lead and bass. a one-man band situation. Yeah, it's, it's the wildest shit. Mm-hmm. But that dude, like, his his tone, I kept, like, not listening to what he was singing because I couldn't stop s- staring at his hands because yeah. I couldn't figure out yeah. how you could sound that good while still playing bass the entire time as well. It's his sixth six digit. Yeah, yeah, yeah I guess. <laughs> or his third hand, whatever <laughs> it is. I love bass, man. I, I, I just love bass... Um, I don't enjoy. Play- well, I have fun playing it. I'm just no good at it because um, I just play it like a guitar, you yeah. know. So, um, and I do a little slap and whatnot too. But I still you know, play it. But like, man, a great bass player that's just finding that tight groove that pops out at the right times, but is totally tight with the drummer. Man, it's just so much fun. Shout out to Sean McIntyre in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, he was my my bass guide. 
And we used to sit, when he would play in the Twin Cities, we'd sit for a while after they got done and everybody left. We'd sit up on stage and play music through the monitors. And he would teach me why certain bass lines were amazing. And it just completely reframed how I saw the rhythm section. Because, like, I always liked drummers, but I, I don't think I had ever quite keyed into how important the bass was. And that shit just, I, I could do that all day long. There's a period of time where, like, I'd listen to music, but I'd never even hear the bass. Because yep. I didn't know how to listen for yeah, it, okay. really appreciate it. Sure. And it was playing on stages with great bass players that really, like, when you're on stage and as a guitar player, you've got a fucking amazing bass player. Man, they're just, they're your harness. They're mm-hmm. laying down the road that you're traveling. They're they're giving you the ramp to skyrocket off of. They're all those things, you know. And... Uh, yeah, I, I had a uh, uh, you know a good friend of mine, and so good friend, and, and a bass player I played with throughout the years. Uh, uh, buddy TJ, shout out! He just, God, man, I just love the way he plays bass. Mm-hmm. He's got the you know, weirdest setup again. The guy's got weirdest gear. This old solid state bass set from the seventies that he would run through and overdrive it with these old speakers. To, like the whole rig was a giant fuzz pedal, yes. and he just had this fuzzy, amazing. And you like you would you would hear it and feel it at the same time. It was just so good. Miss miss playing with that dude. I didn't listen to the bass so much that I didn't notice until I was in my twenties that they had mixed the bass completely out of Injustice for All for the entire record. <laughs> yeah. I literally didn't even notice that yeah. until I heard Jason Newstead talking about that. So that's that's how much I had to learn. So it's a lot of people. Yeah, but uh, we have digressed in, entirely. Uh, Charles, what does relaxation look like to you? Yeah, I mean, if I'm choosing to be home alone, um, or I just find myself being home alone, it's kind of a day and night proposition, and it's not sexy or romantic or anything because I sometimes need to just like shut my brain off. I need to not be making notes about a project or a business or anything like that. If it's daytime, I like to similarly. I'm blasting the music that nobody else wants to hear. It's usually death metal and cleaning the house or doing like kitchen prep that I absolutely love to do that. Like on a, if I can vacate the premises on a Saturday or Sunday morning and, um, you know, Marnie's off doing something else, I'll just blast death metal and, um, clean, do kitchen prep, uh, make myself a really good pot of coffee, uh, Chemex of coffee and just like, sip coffee and do that and just have that be my day and I'm perfectly content with it. If it's evening time, similarly to shut my brain down, it's dum-dum time. So <laughs> I want to lay on the couch with all the animals in the house, with the lights down low, maybe a martini, and either dig in to get like some good progress in a video game, of which I very seldom have the time to like dig in really deep. Because much like yourself, Quam, if I'm playing my video games, I'm playing like really late at night. Yep. Like it'll sometimes be after the pod, I'll go home and I can I can never go straight to I can't go home and go to sleep. It's yeah. not in my system, my biology. So I'll sometimes like turn on a video game for three hours from like ten to one. But if I have an evening where I'm like, well, I'm clearly I don't have plans with other people and Marnie's not here, I'll either sit and dig in five hours on a video game and drink five or six martinis or uh, just binge pro wrestling. Obviously that's, you know, kind of central to who I am, but that's just, that's dumb, dumb time. That's like, I'm not on my phone. I'm not doom scrolling, but I'm doing something that just 
makes it so that I don't really have to think. Sometimes games do make you think, but yeah. it's also just an activity that I love. And I think it kind of gives me a little bit of that. Even though Marnie and I are pretty autonomous, you know, sometimes I feel like those were nights I would have to uh, recharge my batteries away from other people would be just being totally by myself with the animals in my domicile, playing video games or watching wrestling. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, the reason I, I asked this question was my wife had back-to-back trips in the last week. Yeah. So I had uh, seven out of eight nights solo. A lot of dumb, dumb time. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of my friends, especially my friends that have known me for a long time, were like, oh, what are you getting into, man? Let me hear about it. And I was like, ah, yeah, nothing. Like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm really not, I went to a movie by myself. Well, there was a one night you were supposed to hang out with me, and you are like, you know what? Yep. I am going to not do anything. Yep. I was like, I don't hear that answer a lot, but... I just you. good for you. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not good at that. The the FOMO yeah. is real. I remember the first time I heard that term, I was like, oh yeah, that's me. I there's always like I always feel like it's wasted time. I, I spent so long working ninety or hundred hours a week yeah. and only hearing about all of the things that I missed out on for people who I love and bands I love and movies I love and plays I love. And there I will never not feel that draw. Because I always feel like it's going to go away again, and somehow I'm going to end up having three jobs. Um, hopefully, knock on wood, that doesn't happen. Uh, so I, I do. I try to, especially the first night uh, when I'm alone, I try to, to just center myself. So I'll cook a ridiculous meal for myself. I'll do something that's way over the top because it doesn't matter if I, a lot of times I won't eat till like 10 or 10.30 because it's a four or five hour prep, you know, get done with work on a Friday and go home. And I just love it. I'll you turn can do up. that for yourself. You can't Absolutely. do that for a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I also admit that like I'm fine with a floating dinner time, but a lot of people aren't. So I give myself that pleasure, and that also means more music to listen to. Yeah, I love late dinners, man. I like a nine o'clock I'm with dinner. You. Yeah, I mean, come oh, on. it's the best. Yeah, do you ever? Do you ever? This is a digression, but do you, either of you ever have guests and tell them like there is no rush? It's going to take a while. If you got a snack on something, feel free to. But I'm not going to have dinner ready at seven p.m. when you walk through the door because I do that more and more. I find like it's just. It'll happen. We'll talk. I'll be cooking. And then when it's done, we'll eat. But don't show up at 7 p.m. expecting a perfectly hot plate of food in front of you. For me, no, it's, it's yeah. dependent on who's coming over. Yeah. Like I, I, if, if it's a certain group of my friends, that's expected. Like, if they're coming over and they know Jenny's gone, we're not yeah. eating till 10 or 11. Sure. Okay. But, like, yeah. you know, we have, we have f- couple friends and, uh, like, some of Jenny's former coworkers, when they come over, I know that they're on a much different schedule. And so they're a little bit more regimented. Yeah. So I try to be – I also try to be cognizant of that. But when I'm of the course. only one – yeah, I'm giving myself that gift. Uh-huh. Uh, and then after I'm done cooking, like kind of take it all in. I'll, I'll do something nice as a pairing and just kind of like, all right, that was fun for me. And then uh, I, I'll do one of two things. I'll either dive into a video game if I have one that I really want to put in a lot of work on. Yep. I enjoy that because I rarely play like online with other people. I just want to play through. I want to be a part of a movie basically is what Same. I'm doing. And uh, or. That's my time to watch really insane, usually music-related documentaries. Mm. I'll either watch like something that's been recorded and is streamable, or I'll go on YouTube and I'll watch like a guitar teacher break down the technique used on an entire album. Or uh, recently, we had Stephanie March on the episode, and we were talking about wordplay and hip hop. And I went down a real deep rabbit hole this weekend, um, looking at. Um, English professors and hip hop scholars talking about the different 
methods that people use to rhyme and then breaking it down. One of them broke it down mathematically and then another one broke it down by color on like how the rhyme scheme works. Oh, and sure. I was, I mean, I lost two and a half hours in the blink of an eye. I, I, I just want to eat all that up because if I had my wife there or something else to do, I would probably rather be next to her. But if it's, if it's all the same, my dog can lay across my legs, my cat can lay on my shoulder and I can just do that. And it's awesome. And if I do it downstairs, I have a full stereo connected to the TV. So then we go into the, oh, yeah. the neighbors will hear it as yep, I'm listening. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. And that's the shit. Like find it. Conversely, you find an old concert that is online that you didn't know was online. And then you can watch that. And I'll pretend that I'm at the show, turn off all the other lights, turn it way the fuck up and just hang out. Yeah. And God. that is it. Absolutely. I, w- I wake up so happy the next day. That's like in my home when I, play death metal we have sonos in every room and i know that when i'm cleaning or whatever it is i'm doing no matter what room i go in it's equalized so i can hear it in every single room so that makes it an extra layer of no one else wants this (laughs) (laughs) it's just me and the cat the dog that'll be whatever (laughs) we move that'll be my next thing is having uh, having equalized sound in every room it's wonderful yeah I, I honestly to the point where i have um i have a bluetooth speaker i have a boom three and uh, if I'm not listening to records, I'll just carry it with me as I go around the house. Like it just—it's like like having an old '80s jam box on your shoulder. Only sure. it's just a you know a four-inch thick cylinder, but it cranks out the, the music pretty decently. So if I'm yeah. like cleaning the house or doing something like sure, that, sure. or if I'm outside grilling, that's absolutely it. Yeah, and like, headphones, good fa- headphones work really well for that too. I, did you notice? when you've been in my home and I'm playing music in every room, like how well it equalizes. It's you incredible. No, you don't know it's in the other room until you're in the other room, but it's the way that it, the system works with the software that they utilize and you use a mobile device to do it. It's really impressive because you'll be in the kitchen and it'll be the exact volume. You'll say to yourself, is it even on in any other room? But then when you enter the other room, you're like, it is on. Hey, there it is. Oh, hell yeah. It's, it's really impressive. I love that shit. Like that's, that just centers me. Whenever there's a chance that you could just walk around and have your favorite art just surrounding you everywhere mm-hmm. you go. And then you get to do a second art by cooking. Like, the, come on. <laughs> it's a jam. But you also sometimes have dumb, dumb time. You sometimes make, like, mac and cheese with tuna. Oh, and fuck yeah. wrestling and then text me because yeah. you're catching up. You're like, I'm that's, watching Raw from Monday. So that's, that's usually, <laughs> like, the if, if, if she's gone for, like, three or four days, that's usually, like, night number three. Yeah. It's like, I already have way too many leftovers in the fridge yeah. and I'm tired of eating them because I had them for breakfast and then I repurposed them again for lunch. And so that's when I'm, when I'm just done with it. Yeah. That's when I'll throw on, Charles has gotten me back into wrestling after an 18 year hiatus. Uh, I'll throw on like some wrestling or um, there's a couple really funny sh- like cartoons that I'll watch on, yeah. like adult cartoons on like an action movie or something. Yeah. Or something like that. And then, yeah, I'll do <laughs> trash panda shit. I'll, I'll do like a, garbage pizza feel like a oh kid. man like get, get a frozen pizza yeah. yeah and just throw a ton of extra cheese on yeah there, and then you just demolish the borderline burnt haggies i will like you can right. use ingredients that your wife doesn't like yep. so i'll throw mushrooms on everything like <laughs> take that marnie there's mushrooms on everything now i eat shrimp just about every time my wife leaves because it makes her <laughs> yeah. sick so that's oh, my i'm gonna run out and get some shrimp but yeah like i'll, I'll doctor it up Here's what I'll do. I'll Cocktail buy a bargain pizza and then I'll open it and then I'll talk shit to it for not being good enough. I'm like, the fuck is this? Like, all right, let's see. Like, dude, I picked this. Like, it's my problem, but yeah. I'll, I'll put it on the pizza. And then, yourself. yeah, and then I'll, I'll add everything else on top of it, put it in, and then, yeah, dude, there's nothing better than that. I'm going to leave it out overnight because my wife's not going to throw it away and then I'm going to crush that the next morning. Delicious. Yeah. Oh. Well, BuzzFeed said that'll kill you, so. I'll, 
Take it on, Buzz, BuzzFeed. Let's do this. Cold Let's see who will last longer. Oops, too I have soon. Never oh. died. I have never died from that. Yes, yeah, exactly. I have never died from that. Never? Never? Never. never. Okay. I mean, and I I've eaten you. a lot of pizza in the morning. Like, yeah, sometimes in the fridge, sometimes not. Because, like, uh-huh. you accidentally leave it out, right? And you, you discover that you left it out. And you look at it. You're like, oh, fuck, I left it out. <laughs> yeah, this is right. no good. We've all done it. But you better take a bite to make sure. Um, I'm sure it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly how it works. <laughs> You're going to eat it. You're going to eat it. Come on. Oh, well, cheers to that. Cheers. Cheers, fellas. I dig this. I want to make a drink with this. I think this would be really good in like a... Like something... Well, I mean, obviously something citrusy would be incredible. But even like subbing this out in a Negroni, I think that the sweetness oh, would really play yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm going to do something on the air. Mm. What's the... What's the cocktail for Club Caraway Social Hour this week? Ooh, that's a game time decision tomorrow morning. Okay. Yeah, we. Uh, I have three options right now, and they're all currently sitting on top of my microwave. Uh, but um, I've, I actually went out. Charles and I were fortunate enough to go to a, a launch party for a Vietnamese gin. And oh, okay. uh, we, uh, we were told a few liquor stores that had it, and uh, I struck out today. That's what I wanted to do. Oh, did you look for it, and you were unable to I did, it? but I have, uh, I have it on good authority that I, I know a, a store that has it. So if I have time tomorrow morning, I'm going to run in, and grab that. It's Songkai yep. is what it's called. S-O-N-G. Space C-A-I. C-A-I. Yep. Uh, and it's, it can be found probably pretty broadly, but that, was, that stuff is great. Yep. That stuff is great. So if you have it in your market, locate absolutely yeah. locate it. It was really, really breathtaking. Um, we were introduced to a new, uh, a new fruit that uh, can be used for the citrus notes in a gin. Yeah. And they were kind enough to even pass out some yeah, of the they dried. Gave samples of some of the vegetables yeah. that they used. And like literally just sucking on it. Um, Charles, you kind of hit it. It was like a, uh, it was tart in the way that like kind of tamarind is. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way yeah. it expresses itself in the gin is so gorgeous. And they were really proud to point out that they don't use any lemons or limes in that. And it yeah, was. It's a very unique botanical profile. Yeah. And we also had a short conversation with the producer and told him that, Next time he's in town, he's coming on the show. So look forward to that. Yeah. Might Very be in cool. October or something. Yeah. We would love to have him on. The gin is just, I mean, man, it's so versatile. And, like, I love gin. And it's probably the spirit I drink the most. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing I love about gin, like, you know, like, I have a big thing. Like, with all this, it goes with whiskey. Whatever I'm doing, like, a, a cocktails at home, right? We don't really drink cocktails at home. I mean, kind of we do a little bit, but I can't handle uh, citrus, you know, any kind of acid from citrus mm-hmm. um, or too much sugar. Mm-hmm. So we, we don't yeah. add, there's no sugar components. And I, you know, in anything we drink, there's no simples, there's nothing like that. And there's no, um, you know, well, we'll cut, you know, uh, 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 you know, a wedge or, or, or a coin of citrus. Um, but no juice in anything. I have severe acid reflux. It just kills me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if I'm ever at a restaurant and I don't drink cocktails and cocktail program, hey, I love you guys and what you do, it just murders me. Yep. I can't do it. Uh, I try to do one. Most places I go, and that's about all I can do. Um, but I love just soda water, man. Like yeah. in, in, in spirit, like even a whiskey soda is, 
is is oh. just the most refreshing and Whiskey beautiful highball, baby. thing. Let's go. I, I mean, it's it's. I mean, and it's just a mainstay in our house. Uh, gin soda, whiskey soda, tequila soda. If you've got great whiskey, great tequila, the whiskey's got plenty of sweetness. It doesn't mm-hmm. need a thing. We make old fashions all the time. But we just don't have any sugar in there. Mm-hmm. So we'll just take the whiskey, you know, cherry, express that orange peel beautifully, a little bit of bitters, and that's our old-fashioned at the house. Sure. And it's fucking amazing. Absolutely. Like, like I love that. And I, I just, I wish that in our cocktail world that we can approach a world with less simple syrup. Mm. Yeah. I'm with you on that. We're, we're all with you there. I'm a big savory Cocktail Bobo. Solidity now. Solidity now. I always say that I have. I always say that's the next T-shirt from us. That's the next one. Solidity now. Ideas away, dude. Someone else is gonna do it. (laughs) We already called it right here. You owe us money. Called it. TM. Uh, I always say I have a salt tooth, so I like to drink cocktails out, but I get fatigued very quickly with the sugar. Yes. Even the event I was at last night, uh, we started out with a Carmichael and it was good, but I drank about two thirds of it and I was like. I don't want anymore. And my buddy Paul and myself started getting highballs and martinis. And when we retired outside to smoke our cigars, we got like three more highballs. You cannot fuck with a good martini. I'm just, no, God, man, it's so good. Yeah. And that's so good. That's all that I'm looking for is that type of a experience. And the highball, I mean, you're just using super high bubbles and whiskey. And I usually don't want, ice in it but they had that good mn pure clear ice so they dropped the sphere in there and i was fine with that but we were just slugging those things outside 87 degrees with the cigar in hand that's all i need you don't have to add a bunch of other stuff to it i just need that yeah no i i I like a world without simple syrup and i you can put great flavors i mean there's there's ways in which a sugar syrup in in a simple syrup and in these types of things can take on flavors like Absolutely. in the kitchen fat is you know fat soluble flavors sugar soluble flavors so i understand the 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 the, the place and, and why it's there but man we can just take a step back and think about different ways to do it um or just some variation yeah you it, know because i understand it yeah. has a place and i enjoy some of those beverages i just one of the reasons that i think that Quam and i and a lot of people you know nate's still in the room here reason we like really bitter things like Malort or, or even more uh, bitter than that is because after an evening of drinking cocktails, and I will have enjoyed every one of them. If I'm at like Meteor Bar in Minneapolis or something like that, and I have six cocktails, by the end of the evening, I need to offset it. Correct. Yes. Bitter. Yeah. It's like medicine. 100%. Like, please take the slick off my tongue. And then it really relaxes me. That like takes that sugar content and just really tamps it down for me. Yeah. I'm a huge believer in the digestif. I love it so much. Um, and, but a lot of those bitters are balanced with a lot of sugar, too, mm-hmm. which I, I would love to see more bitter with less sugar, too. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. Amaro's don't need to have that much sugar. I love Amaro. But, you know, if I'm going to take an Amaro, I need it, like, Amaro and soda. And, like, it, I got to mellow out that sugar a lot of times, you know. Um, and uh, Malort being... Uh, a huge uh you do not need to to water that down um because uh, it doesn't have the sugar content and it's got the bitter um i love a good malort mm. uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I love a good malort. i should have brought it i should have brought a sounder i don't know oh, which sounder i would have i would have been down for sprinkles? Malort for sure mm, yeah let's just go sprinkles um, sprinkles but uh 
you know, so I, I I love bitter, and I think it's it's amazing, and and that's what I love about bitters, is that it has you can bring that bittering element in without the sweetness, but as soon as you bring an apérol or an amaro or something like that, even into a cocktail, you're bringing a lot of sugar, and that's sure. that's one thing that's kind of tough. Is like, it would be nice, and look, I like I don't drink soda. I don't drink soda. Mm-hmm. I don't Same. historically never have like. I will from time to time have a Coke with some pizza or a burger, yeah. like rare, but it's just not in my world that a soda is a thing. You know, in our house, sparkling water, we go through it like crazy. I mean, mm-hmm. we're just crushing it um, and just water, you know, but uh, so I'm not, it just, it, it, I think like in, in, as a chef, I know that you, we can, we train our palates and in in our diets and in processed foods and whatnot, there is so much sugar, and there's so much refined carbohydrate in every single thing we eat. You know, in my house, we cook every meal, so it's just not that's not really a thing. But you know, it's even in breads and so mm-hmm. even if like you're you're making a sandwich, you're cooking burgers or whatever, it's there. Um, it's in the ketchup. It's in you know, so it's just it's everywhere. And if you drink soda, so I think like the general population has got this sugar tolerance is much much higher than than me and, and sure they're just very sensitive to it for sure all three uh, of us I on that like yeah uh there's a there's a brand called casamara club that makes amaro sodas it's like uh, an amaro flavored soda water it's amazing incredible i there's four different brands and i've had two of them so yeah, far you you can get these locally yeah you can get them oh, locally okay. um they're a nationwide company oh i'm good um, to do it if you're in the Twin Cities, uh, I found them at Marigold on 35th and Nicollet. Um, it's it's abs- like they are my new favorite thing. Awesome. Uh, so I still drink I Casamara. You said yeah, Casamara Club. It's like a cool, um, like kind of a retro color vibe. Uh, they're they're just they're great. They come in glass bottles and six packs, uh, and they're awesome. And I like that there's too. four flavors. Each one of them is like a different varietal of bitters used in it. And I know that there is some sugar, but I, as somebody else who is not, I don't love sugar in anything. Yeah. Um, that is one of my favorite things. Awesome. So check it out if you got them. I know that they distribute Sold. nationwide. I don't know if they're in every liquor store, but if you go to a, a higher end boutique place or just look up uh, Casamara, spelled exactly how it sounds, Casamara Club, Amaro Sodas. Uh, but there, it's again, I'm just trying to find cheat codes for when I don't. I want to drink something fun, but I do, maybe I don't want alcohol. Yep. I don't want anything sweet. It is so refreshing. And the aforementioned Marigold store, they sell them by the bottle too. So if I'm in that area, I'll swing through and just buy one and have it in the car. Very it's, cool. It's just awesome. On a hot day, oh my God, an ice cold soda water that tastes like bitters. Like, let's go. Your burps smell incredible. Everything about it. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm like, I'm big on that. Like, this is a larger, you know, it's not a boutique thing at all, but the spin drifts. Is yeah. Spin drift. Yep. Like, and we use that for cocktails all the time. I mean, a little spindrift and, and whiskey, it, like lemon spindrift with whiskey, you get this whiskey sour kind of thing without that oh. insanely high-toned sugar and insanely high-toned acidity from the lemon juice. It's really enjoyable. It's just so fun to drink. Um, and uh, we just, like, we, like, I like us, you know, even a seltzer, right? From I'll, I'll get down on a seltzer because, like, I love a good beer, but I can only drink one or two beers. Mm-hmm. Um, as I get older, whatever, I like I just, just I get full. It's like eating a meal for me. Um, and, and I dig and I appreciate one or two, but that's it. And so seltzers are great, but it's really hard to find a seltzer. It's not 
so fucking mm-hmm. sweet. Totally. Or just so laden with fake sweeteners to be locale that's just so off-putting, it's not even palatable or even real food or whatever. You shouldn't ingest it. Um, and uh, Spindrift does a thing there. It's pretty good, too. Oh, it's so know? good. And uh, they, they, they're doing a, a, a seltzer thing. But um, I just think there's so much room in our world for beverages, non-alcoholic and alcoholic, that don't have sugar, because mm-hmm. like I don't, sugar doesn't hydrate you, doesn't make you feel refreshed, doesn't make you feel good, doesn't make um, you skinny. Yeah, it's not helping us. It's not helping it's us. Not, yeah, I'm not you looking know? that for that to be my easy answer, but also at the same time, like hey, a little help here and there. Yeah, yeah. I mean. It, so I, you know, I'm, I'm sensitive to it. I, you know, different people. Do it. But that's like that's my big push for anybody out there, like making all these beautiful things that you make and people do. That just we have such a gifted world. Like, let, can we do it? Can we fuck with it without the sugar There's a little bit? So yep. much room we that we haven't that? explored. Possibility. Yeah, absolutely. Should we cheers and and go on to the next question? Because I think cheers, I'm. Bro. I think I get to do the 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 double. Yeah, we're double cheersing. I'll yeah. cheers again. Double cheers. I'll cheers. Yeah, salute. So, we talk a lot about fried chicken on the show. And having you here, I couldn't resist asking one fried chicken related uh, question. I definitely consider that when I go places and somebody tells me there's an awesome fried chicken place in that city, I will almost always go check it out. I think it is just an absolutely delightful thing. I don't want to ask you any questions about fried chicken because I feel like you've been peppered with those to death. But I do want to ask you, what is your perfect plate with fried chicken? And you can go traditional, you can like Southern, you can go Nashville hot, Tennessee hot, you can go poultry geist, which is uh, Revival's crazy, crazy hot uh, flavor, which absolutely uh, it is it lives up to its name. I have It'll sweat through a shirt while eating poultry guys at your restaurant. Get that eyebrow sweat for sure. Oh yeah, back of the neck. Let's go. Yep, yep. Uh, but I, I'm more fascinated with what else is on that plate. Like, so, so pick your pick your style of fried chicken, and then tell me what else is on that plate. So I'm going to answer a question that you didn't ask before, just to lead up to this. Perfect, perfect. Um, yeah. And this is because you kind of alluded to it just a little bit by saying Nashville hot, Tennessee hot. Anybody that's been to Revival since the very beginning, 2015, would notice that we call our chicken Tennessee hot. Uh, I know this story, but I want to hear. Not, you that's why it. I want to so make a distinction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not Nashville hot. The style of chicken that we're emulating is Nashville hot. City of Nashville was created, um, and I'm sure you know I won't go over that. But um, you know, it, when I when we did the first menu for Revival, doing a Nashville hot style chicken um, wasn't an immediate thing that we we're going to do. It was kind of a last time. Oh, let's do this. It'll be fun, right? Um, but. The, the 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 first revival menu, every single item on the menu had a direct connection to my family or childhood or growing up in oh, the South. I did not know that. It was something I was taught to cook, something I ate at a favorite place or at a friend's house. It had a direct and immediate connection. There was no like there wasn't any super like uh uh create it was very like you know it was really trying to nail this classic 
memory and feeling mm-hmm. that I had of this food and, and the importance it had in my life and my experience growing up. And the Nashville hot style in doing that was a kind of an ode to my family that's posted outside of Nashville in Tennessee. Sure. At that time, Franklin, later Spring Hill. Mm. Um, and so because they didn't live in Nashville, I called it Tennessee hot. Okay. So Love it. That's the whole reason mm-hmm. uh, that we call it Tennessee hot not Nashville hot because it was the spirit which the menu was created and that dish was added. And uh, where we did pay homage to that style, the, the design of the spice that we use, it's, you know, like every, you know, Nashville hot style, cayenne heavy and there's oil. Um, but there's also a lot of other spices in there that give that, anybody's ever had revival Tennessee hot chicken, that flavor is imprinted on your brain, and it's not the flavor of hot chicken that you get everywhere. It's revival's flavor of hot chicken. 100%. And you, 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 you're driving down the road, and you'll crave it, and you got to have it. And as soon as you take that first bite, like, that's it. It's, it's revival hot chicken. Um, it's its own thing. It's got its own vibe, and it's really fucking delicious, and I love it so much. That being said, going to my perfect plate yes. of chicken has got to have a few things, right? For me, a single piece of chicken will not do. Mm-mm. And one, my Mm-mm. perfect plate of chicken is never going to be, um, it, it's never going to be hot chicken. I love it. I enjoy it. I'll eat it regularly. But it's that traditional southern fried chicken that we do. And for me, whenever I get a, a perfect plate, I'm going to sit down and eat some fried chicken, right? If I'm like, I got a busy day, I'm craving chicken, I want the thing, and I'm going to pile it up and eat the thing, I need at least, I mean, I kind of need four pieces I'm of chicken. I'm with you on this. I, I am here for this. four pieces yes. of chicken. And it's not about the volume of chicken. It has nothing to do with I need four pieces to satiate my hunger or craving. It's because the thigh, I need what the thigh has. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. when you have a thigh of fried chicken, like, and you, you separate that bone off of the backbone, because you got to have the backbone on there, there's those little ribbons of meat, mm. and the, the skin gets super crispy in the coating that's underneath. That's just one of the best bites of the whole fried chicken. Then there's all the tender, luscious, fatty meat on top of that, you know, thigh. You know, then you got to have the white meat to balance out that richness, Right. You gotta have the white meat to balance it because the thigh is just too rich. I love it. I eat it. I used to be like go to. I just like crunch, crush thighs and legs, but yeah. it's just too rich nowadays. You know, for me, so I gotta balance it out, right? So you gotta have that breast. If I'm going skinny, I could just do a thigh and breast and be totally cool. But you want to have that leg in there and you want to have that wing because yeah. this is the thing. The wing has got a much higher percentage of coating and seasoning ratio to meat. Yep. Right? It's just off the charts. So it's your highest seasoned, it's your highest coating ratio to meat. The thigh is your highest richness way off the chart uh, from the meat, and it still has got good coating amount. The, the, the drummy is kind of in line with the thigh a little bit, but tends to not be 
get as much breading as everything else. Um, but it's fun to eat. You gotta love the drummy, and it's really not a ton of meat on a drummy. Like so you just snack on a drummy real quick. Easy to eat. Yeah, easy to eat. Um, and it, like quintessential fried chicken. I mean, it's like you know, you know. When it, you draw fried chicken, that's what you're drawing. It's yeah. the cartoon piece of chicken. Yeah. But then I'm gonna lead into this white meat quick. Because the white meat, not only you need that because it's leaner, it's, it's less rich when you're eating it by far. But it's almost, even if it's succulent and perfectly cooked, like you need something on it, some sauce or whatnot, right? But I don't put sauce in my fried chicken. And I love the revival sauce in the fried chicken. It's made for it. love it. And I will eat it with the fried chicken, especially in multiple pieces. But my favorite sauce for fried chicken is to take especially the white meat and take a chunk of it off with the coating and then use it to scoop up mashed potatoes yes, and gravy. Yes, yes, and yes. eat it in one bite, yes. in which yeah. comes to the full plate, is you got to have that mashed potato and gravy, you have to have the chicken, and then you have to have the full reset, which is the mac and cheese. Mm-hmm. Right? And if you have those three things... Like, that's the perfect plate. You got to have the mac and cheese, the mashed potatoes, and gravy, and the chicken, multiple pieces. You can, you can go skinny and do a breast and a thigh, but really you want the full half bird, which is that breast, that wing triplet, the Z or zigzag as I call it, the thigh and the drummy. That's the whole deal. And you have all those three things. If you want vegetables with that, it's probably a good idea. But like, <laughs> it's roughage. not yeah. right. It's whether it's, you know, <laughs> collard greens or yeah, in um, uh, or if it's like uh, you know salad or you know green beans or whatever. It's probably a good idea, but um, the perfect plate. Mm. That's what it is. Mm. I love that. You almost sniped me, Ooh. and I'm going to tell you why. Once again, I'm going to be unromantic about this, because if I'm eating fried chicken, I'm eating fried chicken. I was hoping that's what you were going to say. That was why I wrote this question, because I was my, like, I feel like Charles is going to say a perfect plate is just chicken. My perfect plate of fried chicken <laughs> is a one-man fried chicken eating competition. Yes. So give me an eight-piece. I want that whole bird. I want to know that it died with purpose. And each of those parts brings something different to the table. They've already been really well described. I don't need to dig into all the minutia again, but I just want a big fucking heaping plate of fried chicken. If there are other things around and it's like a meal that someone else has composed, that's great. But if I'm ordering, like, if I have that craving, which is one of my, like, central cravings for fried chicken, I just want a big fucking pile of fried chicken and I don't fatigue. Like, that's not like barbecue. Barbecue, I do need the rest of the stuff. Like, I need the greens and, you know, cornbread. And we, we talked about that on Todd Harris's episode. Yep. But when it comes to fried chicken, I just want a big pile of fried chicken and alternate between pieces. And it's kind of, you know, you're like wiggling your greasy little fingers, deciding what to grab next and sort of <laughs> mixing and matching between each of them. I call Homer Simpson fingers like the, ooh. The exception for me will be would be if I'm eating um, – fried chicken from an Asian restaurant, which is usually like wings, Mm -hmm. sticky wings, right? Hot, sticky wings with fried rice. And it's for a similar reason as Thomas mentioned to the mashed potatoes. 
I love having a sticky piece of fried chicken and like rolling it around yeah. in the fried rice, yep. just fried rice. Yep. I don't need anything else, but rolling it around in the fried rice and coating it with the fried rice and taking a bite of that. Yes. That brings me back to my childhood, like cheap local Chinese restaurants that do really incredible crispy fried wings with rice. But if I'm getting revival, yes, we'll order other stuff. But you're saying, what is my perfect plate? Mm-hmm. My plate is lined with nothing but crispy, crunchy, juicy pieces of delicious fried chicken. And I agree that I love Nashville hot. I love the poultry geist. I, I'll, I, I will eat that as a part of a composed meal. But if I'm eating a plate of nothing but revival fried chicken, I want the traditional southern fried chicken, just a big heaping plate of the, every piece on the chicken. Two times over. Give me that whole chicken. Ooh, baby. The one thing yes. I'll say about that. One, first of all, I appreciate and love that. Because, like, digging into a whole bird of fried chicken, we've all been there. Uh-huh. Oh, we've yeah. all been, like, we're going oh, yeah. we're gonna, to we're gonna take this whole thing down. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but, like, core philosophy in how I've always constructed food from a composed dish to the menus of revival to pairing, right? Is I believe when you take a bite of something, you eat something. Um, you know, that food that you eat asks a question. Almost always. And real simple example would be Take a spoonful of peanut butter, right, and eat that peanut. Put 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 peanut butter on bread and eat that. And the question it asks is like, "Wow, I really love some jelly, <laughs> man! I love some jelly up in this peanut butter and bread." <laughs> and like, I love peanut butter. I'll eat it by the spoonful. But you put it on bread, and you need that jelly, man. Mm-hmm. You need that jelly or butter. Peanut butter and butter is mm-hmm. really good. That's kind of fucked up, but it's good. Banana too. Um, but honey. that's in banana, right? Mm-hmm. Same, similar. Banana, honey, yeah, peanut butter. Fucking delicious. Ooh. But that's, and so that's where I go with the sides is because what I would argue is that if you're going to eat a whole fried chicken, a whole bird, and you're getting into it, if it doesn't ask you that question so hard that you relent into digging in some mashed potatoes or some fucking... Uh, if it doesn't ask that question so hard that you need a bite of mac and cheese, if it, yeah. doesn't, if it doesn't belay that question on you like it's trying to brainwash you, <laughs> right, and, like, get something out of you like an interrogation, then it may not be seasoned enough. Yeah. So, like, sometimes, because fried oh. chicken should be almost over-seasoned a little bit. Yeah. Like, it should, like, that salt, that, like, it should get in you. It should, like, but. That's how much I like salt, my friend. But you can just, you can just <laughs> soak it in and pray into that. And that's I got to totally, tell you. I love it. That might be the only food that I would answer that to. Yeah. Because I do like to, you know eat like a Chinese emperor. I, I do want 40 courses, but God damn it, I'm telling you when I eat fried chicken, and like I said, if you're saying the perfect plate, I literally just want to eat the chicken. And I, I fucking I'm love thinking that. about that's it because I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. trying to think of anything else that I would do that with that's like, you know, like a protein, a steak or something. I don't, I don't just want to eat a steak. I love yeah. a great steak, but I want to eat, the, you know, you want the accoutrement and the things with it, the pickled mushrooms and the uh, broccolini with some pepper flake and, you know, mashed potatoes, uh, Robuchon style, whatever. Like, 
there's so many things that I want with that meal, but I don't know what it is. It's that one thing because when I fantasize about eating fried chicken, that's all I'm thinking about. I'm, I'm just I'm, like, yep. I want to go chomp, chomp, chomp. I want some fucking daughters. fried chicken right now. Right? So, yeah. so bad. So bad. So, so does bad. everyone listen to this? Well, so that's... I that. hope you live somewhere you can get fried chicken, good fried chicken <laughs> if you're listening to this right now. I, I hope we live right. in a world where everybody has access to some form of fried chicken. Yeah. Uh, my answer is a hybrid of both of yours because we've talked a lot about on this show that cold fried chicken the next day is a completely mm. different... It's a completely different dish. But it is glorious. It is glorious. But I will not, glorious. I will K-N-O-T not eat anything else with that. I will eat the first piece. You eat the fried chicken. Yep. I will eat the first piece with the refrigerator door held yeah, open. Yeah, you say, it's the Crush that first one. That's what yeah, drumsticks yeah. are so good for that. Yeah. Because you yeah, got yeah. one hit. Oh, like, like, it's not going to come back and attack yeah, me, but I still. cottage cheese? Come on. I hold that fucking door at bay. <laughs> yeah. But like, like cold stay fried chicken, like I'm eating that nub. I'm yep. like, the whole thing. every bit of that cold coating. I mean, I'm mm. like. I look like Fred Flintstone. Like the whole bone goes in and then it comes out. That's where I'm at. But when it comes to fresh out of the fryer hot or like temperature wise hot chicken i i do i am a spice sound i like both so if it's possible to have a couple pieces of both i yeah. will do that yeah. yeah yeah i agree with you on the macaroni and cheese and the mashed potatoes and gravy thomas i do also like that combo because i sometimes don't dip the chicken in it I'll take the mac and cheese and do a little, little trip through mashed potato and gravy land. All right. And I will take that bite, and oh, I yeah. love that flavor, especially if the gravy's on point. Like mixy mix. And um, then where my... Like, like a little reset. Is, yes, 100%. And as I... A texture reset and a flavor reset. Yes. And where... I, I love greens. I love collard greens. I don't feel like I can consider that a vegetable. Even though it is a vegetable, <laughs> I know how to make those, and I know what goes into it. So my brain just is like, uh-uh, fatty. Like, vegetables that's, were harmed yeah. in the making. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> you are besmirching the name of vegetables by calling that a vegetable. But I will, I, I truly, truly love two to three fresh fruits, if possible. And the three fruits that I love are ice-cold watermelon, preferably a wedge with the rind to hang on to and get a little too close to that rind. Uh, and then pineapple and strawberries because the acid on those, like good strawberries when they're in season, not the bullshit year round. We live in Minnesota strawberries, real good strawberries or a 10 minute strawberry. Yeah. Or, or, or like a really good ripe pineapple, the acid and the, the background sweetness, like neither of those are usually huh. overly sweet. Yeah. It's sweet mixed with acid and, Literally a chunk of either of those or that cold, crisp watermelon. That's my intermezzo between pieces. So that's like, my palate cleanser. Interesting. Watermelon, in my mind, is the most amazing and glorious fucking fruit. I'm with you. Ever created. We, I mean, it's watermelon all the time. For the kids, all the fucking time. So they used in to the put bombs in them. Like, I, I, I can't, <laughs> like, I will crush watermelon we make watermelon salads at the restaurant yeah. we do it at the house just fucking mm. amazing it's so delicious so on a hot day that you can't get any and to me it's one of it's like my top five fruits of anything yep. so love and appreciate that yeah um god pineapple i love so much i think it's one of the most amazing flavors uh but i go back to that acid reflux kind of guy totally it melts my insides down and it, 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 cause I would, I would, I would take a, 
a fucking pineapple. Also, chemically, it, it kind of does too. Oh that's yeah, what it does. Yes, it just it murders. I've me. been known to eat too much pineapple. Mm-hmm. Oh, just <laughs> fucking. It, if I go too it. far, I don't get acid reflux. But if I go too far, I get Captain Crunch mouth, where there's just like strings of flesh hanging down from the roof of my mouth because mm. the acid just Burning melted you. through my yeah. soft palate. It's fighting it's back. So yeah. fucking. Good. Oh, it's so good. It is so fucking. But that's why that's why I love like you can just do a little dish and it's like one little piece and it clears everything. It fights through all that unctuous fat. It fights through all that salt and it's like here we go, fresh palate. Next, come on in, and then you just go back to crushing. And literally, uh, I like I said, I'm fortunate enough that I don't deal with a lot of acid reflux, but. From time to time, especially if there's a lot of hot food mixed in too, I'll get a little heartburn. And that was where the strawberries came in because it a good strawberry has that same tartness to it, but it doesn't give me anywhere near that acid. Oh, so yeah. I do like the way that that kind of cuts through in the same way. Um, and then usually, hopefully, they're at least somewhat cool. So then it's also like a temperature change yeah. for me where yeah. everything else is hot. I really enjoy that balance. And then to drink... Um, I overcarbonate. We have a soda stream at home, and I overcarbonate my soda water. And then yeah. you basically get close to champagne bubbles or highball bubbles. And then I'll squeeze a little fresh fruit in there, and pff, we're good. Yeah. Like that's oh, that's my jam. Mm. That cuts through everything, washes it down. So I get my to, mind, I'm my balancing out fluids with the amount of salt that I just took in, so my yeah, fingers my don't. My mind went a little somewhere else when you said that because, like, I could crush a bunch of fried chicken with, like, I do. I make like a grilled, basically peach caprese. Ooh, yeah. Grilled peaches, balsamic, fresh basil. Some like you can use burrata, or you can use any other form of of mozzarella. But I could see that being a nice component to the meal. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Peaches. God, I mean, I mean, mm. a good fucking peach. A good peach is. Uh, God, I wish we had a button for the Nicolas Cage. I could eat a peach yeah, all day. Right. <laughs> That's, I mean, you I need a button for that. <laughs> need a button for anything. Or at least Gina Gershon here. Either get, way. Get, 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 a, get a button with Nicolas Cage saying something. <laughs> yes. I think it's a great opportunity. That's always a good opportunity. We don't have enough buttons on this board. <laughs> <laughs> right. That would be a big fucking, he'd be surrounded like Danny Carey with drums. You'd have to pick up. We're doing Con Air. We're doing Raising Arizona. The bees. Sorry. Anyway, side digression. All right, well, cheers to fried chicken. Huh? Yeah, cheers. The fried chicken and, and God, now I'm hungry for fried chicken. Mm. That's me. I'm I think home. it is. I'm back. All right, so, Chef, no matter how hard we try, we cannot do it all. What's something you really want to do this summer that you feel fairly confident you simply will not have time for? Oh, wow. Um, we all got that stuff. Well, so remodel my kitchen. Yeah. So that was kind of the plan this summer was to like, we got an architect in, um, he measured some stuff, he went on some trip and then completely ghosted us, never heard from him again. Oh. And so I said earlier, I was formerly a cabinet maker, so I had planned to build the cabinetry myself oh, for this dope. kitchen. Love that. And wow. I was going to basically take my summer vacation and dedicate it to building the cabinetry yeah, for the kitchen. Yeah. But, you know, you know, we got really busy with catering and events this year. Uh, we've got another project, you know, that we're working on in its infancy. And uh, kids, I mean, 
camps and soccer and all this crazy stuff. So mm-hmm. um, I don't think I'm going to get that finished this summer. It's still going to happen. Um, but I was really kind of hoping to do that this summer. I don't know if it's going to happen. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Good time of year to do it, too, because you can actually get out of your house instead of, you know, get out of the way, use the grill. Well, yeah. I mean, and <laughs> I've got a, you know, we've got a beautiful garage, so, like, you know, um, I can convert that into a workshop. And yeah. uh, that's just, you know, you park on the street for a month, basically, mm-hmm. while you're working on it. But um, so last summer was a deck. We built a deck on the back of the house, and, and uh, it was uh, uh, an amazing and fun project, and to erect a structure, I mean, we have a, it, you know, it's a, you know, it's pretty high, it's like five foot off the, the, the ground, so you actually have to erect this larger structure, and, and uh, my lady and I, we built it all ourselves, and uh, it was really cool, and every time we're sitting on the deck and, like, hanging out, we got a fire out there, whatever, yeah. it's like, fuck, we built this, it's pretty yeah, awesome. Yeah, great sense of achievement. You know, like, sure. yeah. So I, you know, uh, but yeah, I don't know if this summer it's going to make it happen. Okay. But we got to get back on it, you know, so it's, uh, you know, get back to it, find an architect. and It's a big undertaking. Yeah. It's the biggest yeah. room. That's the biggest room to have to do. It is. And it's got to be done right. And it's, um, you know, we've got a tough kitchen because there's just so many fucking doorways. <laughs> There's the doorway to the basement. There's a doorway to the entryway hallway. There's a doorway to the dining room. There's a doorway to the the rear exit onto the the the, the deck, patio porch, whatever it is. There's so many doorways, and with that many doorways, you you you, you take up all your cabinetry space and your ability to design a room that functions well. So we've got a you know, uh, uh, you know, d- d- take a wall out between the dining room and the kitchen. Um, and we're going to create oh, a peninsula yeah. there and do some upper cabinets that will be, you know, allow for full pass through and a hang. Like, so we, we've got to do some major construction to get this to happen. So it's not a, a light. Um, it's not a facelift. <laughs> no. It's a full reconstruction. There's some real work. Um, we got to move a stairway, the the, the stairs oh, for the basement going down to the basement. We want to move that door into this hallway, so we got to rebuild the full stairway, Ooh, yep. remove and keep all the you know historic door and trim and all that stuff. So yeah, it's a so it, it's 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 a multi stage. So you know maybe this summer the the thing is is like hey maybe we tackle you know the stairway and moving the doorway you know I try to get that done you know kind of set the stage for getting the rest of it done so mm. for me I uh, I'm going to speak this into existence because I think I think there's still a chance <laughs> yeah. that I could get this done before the end of the summer but looking at what it already is in the summer. Like, I feel like I just blinked like it was May and then I blinked and now it's basically July very soon. I unearthed a partially finished music project on one of my hard drives that I thought was lost. Oh, uh, shit. I, I back up my backups and I thought I had honestly lost my backup, backup hard drive. And uh, one of them crashed and it wasn't fully transported to another drive. So I thought I just lost a bunch of stuff and cleaning out our basement. I was going through a drawer that I completely forgot I had put stuff in and I found that hard drive in there. And, uh, 
unfortunately, the person I had started working on that with, I will not work with anymore. But I have two friends who are incredible musicians and producers. And since April, we've been talking about finishing this off. And I really thought in April, like, I'd put 20 bucks. This was done in a month. And now here we are in late June, and we still haven't touched it. Oh, my it. God. So well, spring didn't happen. Uh, exactly. Spring like, didn't happen. Maybe that was it. I was just waiting for, it's like, a full spring. It's into summer right now. I don't even know where we're at. <laughs> yeah, who I knows? Think, like, it's, it's already over. But one of the projects is essentially fleshed out. We just have to put it together and mix and master it. Uh, the other one is... As I was just saying, not a facelift, but a reconstruction. Like, I'm basically starting from the studs of just the vocal, and we're going to build the entire song oh, wow. around that. Okay. And I'm a little bit, I'm, now that I've realized what I said I was going to do, and unfortunately, I got a little over my skis, and I told the person who recorded the vocals that I was going to finish this. And so now, I thought that would be like a hold me to the fire, you know? Like, you got to do it. And now I realize I think I just really fucked up. <laughs> so now that said, I don't know that she's counting on this. I think she was like, oh, cool, man. I'd love to hear it. Um, but I'm like, I'm trying to push myself to do it. And I have not sat in a mixing chair or a production chair in almost six years. So it's also pushing me to get back into actually like making music again, yeah, yeah. which I'm excited about, but also mortified about because I, that entire side of my brain is incredibly rusty. I have not done anything to create new music. Uh, I love like DJing. I always find different ways that I can bend things, but I'm using other people's toys and I'm making, I'm, I'm like using everybody's Legos and I'm building a new structure. Yeah, yeah. This is like, I have to create the Lego. So I'm a little bit afraid of that, but I think it's also just a little bit of like self-doubt that somehow it's not going to come back. And I know the minute that we actually sit down and start working on it, the minute we start bouncing things off each other, like it'll start rolling. It's yeah, just yeah. getting us into the, like, you know, everybody's older. Everybody's got families and shit. We got soccer games and baseball yeah. games and all that. Trying to figure out time. Because, again, that's not a meet for 45 minutes and work on it and then leave. Like, that's a three or four hours or we shouldn't do it Yes, kind of thing. So I'm stuck with that right now. And I was just texting uh, yesterday with one of the guys. And he's like, dude, I haven't forgotten about it, man. Like, things just got crazy. And he owns a couple properties that he uh, rents. And so he's like, we had a water issue at one of them. And then the deck was falling apart at the other. And I've just been working on that. I'm like, dude, it's all good. This is not... This is not a, a, a four-alarm fire, but I would like to do this. And if you, if you don't want to do it, that's okay. But unfortunately, I don't have a studio anymore, so there's, I have to use somebody else to sure, do all this. Sure, yeah. So that's, like the, that's the stress of it is like a little bit of self-doubt mixed with a lack of time, mixed with having to coordinate somebody else's schedule. Like if, if and when I'm able to rebuild a studio in my house, this is a whole different conversation because yeah, yeah. that becomes what I do late at night or that becomes what I do when I'm alone. Well, and it's tough, like, being able to piece me up, but sometimes you just kind of, like, and I find when I'm tackling a project, like, I need to say, I'm going to take this week, and I'm going to take some time off, and I'm going to dedicate this time. Because, like, like, it takes a day to dig into a thing. Mm-hmm. And, like, get your mind wrapped around it, your mise en place set, like, and to get into it. Then once you're running and into it, you got to make sure that you have enough time to allow that process once you start it to take. And it's like, so that's what I've got 
for, for what I've decided, you know, when I, when I take on a project, there's things that I do that are, are piecemeal, that are here, there, and at nights, and things like that. But I look at that as relaxation. Sure. And, it, and I, I'm like, I'm doing a thing because I want to do it, and it's fun. But I'm actually trying to get a project done. I got to dedicate time because otherwise I just won't get it done. Well, and that's, I think that's it for me is that I can do that. It's having to coordinate it with somebody else's that, schedule that, too. Yeah, that sounds like that's, uh, that's hard. Yeah. If you don't have the, the, the studio. Correct. Then it's a lot of coordination. The, the level of difficulty is much higher. This is in, a, in, a reverse pike in a weird way. Coordinating musicians is like super easy. <laughs> well, super yeah, exactly. easy. The nice part with this is I think between Kyle and myself, I think we can play everything. Um, simply because we're both pretty adept at keyboards and you can map a lot of stuff through that. Um, the one that I have fleshed out, the stems are all there. Everything is ready. We just have to put it together. Yeah, yeah. The, the ground up one is going to be an interesting one. And we may, that, that may be what stops us is not being able to get everybody on, on board. But again, even if I can get one fucking track done, I'll consider it a success. Oh, hell yeah. And then I'm hoping that then getting one done and then seeing, like, you know, getting that tactile celebration of like, oh, I got a thing. I made a thing. That is usually pretty addictive for me. And then I want to go get the thing again. And we have, uh, we have a total of 11 songs that we could fuck with. So Very good. Well, like, look, and there's, like, I, I, I have come to this in my life. There was a way in which I used to do things that worked for me. And, um, you know, in, 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 in sometimes I still feel that I need those things that way to do the thing I'm trying to do. But I found more success and joy finding new ways to accomplish the things that I want to do different ways. Like there was a, a, a buddy I was talking about, we were talking about doing similar thing. Like, hey, I've got some material right i've got like six songs i've been working on for five years i play them when i play guitar like, I, like they're pretty fleshed out but not really um but conceptual in nature right mm-hmm. and so we've been talking about well like maybe i put them together and send them to you and that you fuck with them and then add the thing and then send it back and we can like if i were more technologically savvy. I think that'd be an easy thing to do. I'm just not that guy. Like <laughs> recording is it's a very uh I don't have anything to do that nowadays. And it's like, but eventually I want to do that, right? Um, you know, I got mics, I got a PA, I got all the things like I just need to get some you know, but we've been talking about that through the last year. Yep. So it's like I've just got to try to find, you know, yeah, we're not gonna meet in the studio and flush out this song. But how can we do it differently? Nope. There's like, you know, projects nationally, internationally that have have done that mm-hmm. and been very successful in, in doing it that way. And it's cool that we have the technology to support that, do that now. Um, so in my own kind of world, musically, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to get, you know, I don't even call it a project now, but I have these songs that I want to put together and I want to record and I want to get it down. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, how do I, you know, but like how do I commit to that process within 
the time I have now, which is none. Yeah. While still giving everybody that none. needs love and time, love and time. Like oh, this, yeah. You and know? They're so much more important. In my <laughs> life right now. Same. I mean, so much more important. Like, the the, the, the things I've committed to, to, to my family and my life, like, in, in my business, like, that's the first row, right? This is just, yeah. you know, and it's, and it's, and I just, uh, one, like, I, I just, I get so much joy from my life from doing new projects with the restaurant and my partners and, and seeing revival grow and flourish and, and, you know, at my home with, you know, uh, you know, our family and, and, uh, you know, you know, so I, I, I just get so much joy and love for that. And, you know, like music for me has been a thing that I love. It's always been a core of who I am, but like, I don't have like the time that that takes mm-hmm. to do that in a way that I'd ever be happy with at this moment. And so it's it's something I struggle with. Totally, gotta, I, yeah. I get it. And That's you the other. Grab t- it. You have to you have to seize it. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, months become years, and years become decades, and decades become. Oh, I never did that thing. <laughs> totally. Yeah. yeah. What's that? What's your project that may not happen, Charles? It's more like a thing that I would like to do. And it's predicated on, you know, the seasons. And we live in a place where we have a variation in seasons. And where we live, uh, we subsist in a place that uh, cabin culture is a big thing and, and outdoor culture is a big thing. And I'm very much like, I've always said I'm sort of a person of two, I, I have this duality of city boy and wilderness kid. Mm-hmm. Those are both of those. You're both mice. Both those, both those wolves. There are two wolves inside me. <laughs> One man wolf pack. Last year, last summer and spring, like the warm season, I... We only had a singular cabin excursion, which is sad. We have the good fortune of having um, some friends that have like this compound of multiple cabins that we can visit whenever we want to. Mm-hmm. There's no reason for someone like me to own a cabin, at least at this stage of my life, because I wouldn't make good enough use of it and all the upkeep and everything. But we have this like really nice amenity in our lives that we can utilize his cabin and take our dog and let him run freely. Yeah. Like he is meant to run because he's that kind of a dog. And I, the, the reason it's one of those, I don't know if I'll have enough time things is because of all the travel I have scheduled. Um, I mean, ultimately that's it right mm-hmm. now. That's what's standing in the way. Half of July I'll be gone in Europe in September. I'll be in Lebanon. So I want to find that space to at least spend more time than last year, uh, camping, cabining, anything like that. I, I want to do more of that. I want to off-road my Jeep. I want to go to the cabin, spend an extended period of time there. It would be great with, you know, my wife being a school teacher. She is now on break. It would be great if in August we could spend a, a reasonable, like a week or something away at the cabin. So that's oh, something I would yeah. love to do, but I have to be able to fit that in and I'm, I'm accepting of the fact that it may not happen. And I'm sure a lot of people listening to this are either, you know, there are people, especially if you're in and around where we live or you live somewhere similar anywhere around the world where you do have like a, a woodsy kind of vacation locale. Some people 
are really great at doing it all the time. And some people are like, I don't do that enough. And I fall in that ladder box where I want to do so much more of it. And I'm going to effort to do it, but I, I don't think it's going to be enough. When, um, when my dad gave away our cabin years ago, a lot of my friends were surprised that I wasn't more worked up about it. And of course it was like soul crushing because so many memories were made there, but I had to be a hundred percent real that even if I had known that that was a thing and I had wanted to make a push to buy it, I no way I could have afforded it. And even if I could have afforded it, I don't live a life that would allow me to enjoy a cabin if I owned it. Yeah. The involvement of that. Yeah. I, I just, sure. I will never, yeah. I am envious of people that do, but I will never stop wandering the planet. And I can't picture ever being cool using most of my time off to go to the same place. And maybe I'll find that spot. I, I'm, I'm not denigrating that in any way. What a way to balance it. Yeah, I, you know, I, would love, I would love to have a life like that, but I don't. And I, and I don't try to lie to myself about right, that. Right, not today. Yeah, not today and mm. not for the last 20 years. There's, you know, sure. I'm, I'm 43 and I don't know when my life will slow down to the point where I could make that work. Maybe someday it does and that opportunity presents itself. I'm here for it. But every time that I can think that I want to do something... <laughs> I would much rather, I love sitting in like, you know, we were on a lake, so watching like the waves come in. I mean, there's nothing more serene than that. Reading a book or even just having a beer with your feet up on the deck is great. Yeah, yeah. But so is going, seeing all the live music that I love to see. So is going out to dinner with my friends. So sure. is traveling somewhere, even if it's just for a weekend. If only we could be omnipresent. Yeah, like that would right. be, if only I could just stop working. Because does just, that ever <laughs> not feel, does that never does that ever not feel like the most necessary thing that you could be doing when you're doing it? It's like one of the only things that when you do it, you're like, this is exactly where I needed to yep. be today. And I'm blessed that I have in-laws that have a very wonderful and large cabin that we can all fit in. Even if the whole family's up there, it is so nice and it is so comfortable. And I wake up every morning overlooking the lake and it's wonderful. I, I want to be there. I, I love going there in the winter when it's yeah. desolate. Yeah, for sure. You oh, know, it's an amazing time to go out to a cabin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, but even with a free experience. cabin and a free place to stay, like I'll probably get there a total of four times this year. And it'll, it, every one of those times will be for three to maybe four days. I'd love, I'd love two this year based on my outlook. Three would be exceptional. Um, but yeah, I just want to effort to do that. And I know I'm not going to get as much time as I would like. Because I used to make it a little more of a point when Mike was still here. And he's the one who got me back into cabin life because I kind of, in my adult life, sunk into my city boy nature more than probably I would have liked to. And my friend Mike, and this is his family's compound that we visit, brought me back to those roots of being a kid and being an Eagle Scout and, and spending lots of time out in the wilderness. And I was like, holy shit, have I missed this? And he used to drag me out there. He tried to drag me out there every weekend didn't really work but i would at least go with him once a month in in like the five great months for that type of like being on the water fishing and sitting out in the sun smoking cigars and having bonfires at night i just want even i want just like half of that yeah, so i'm, I'm, I'm gonna try to get it i like that i've got you know and i've like as i've gotten older and you know work you know work has been such an, uh, a a huge part of my life yep. and, and focus of my life and um and uh what we do with the, the company and the restaurants and you know my partners and chefs and and uh 
um, all the people that, that that make our company what it is. But we have kind of is a company, like you know, like hey, if you need to take time off, we're gonna like we're gonna cover each other instead of being like. Yeah, you know, I really need you to work this week. Like, like you need time off. Take the time off. We're going to cover it, right? Yeah, that's great. Like, like really trying to make a point to like give each other the time and space that we need to have a complete and full life. Yeah. Um. And and to to be happy and okay with saying, I need this time. And and make that time. We were, we just we just planned a vacation for for July, and like you know we looked at our you know we've got a, we're going out of town this weekend with the kids just for two days, taking all the kids out, which is about as much as the kids can kind of really stand <laughs> at the age that they're at. We're like all preteen right now, and one teenager. <laughs> so many emotions. Um, I mean, it's you know they got to be close to their friends and you know electronics and whatnot, but. Uh, but we looked at it, and we just don't don't we don't have any vacation plan this summer. It's like we're getting on the books, and the conversations are, well, you know, I, I just don't know if it's going to happen this year. I don't know if it's going to happen this year. It's like you know, it's going to happen. Let's pick the days, mm-hmm. and we're going to do it. And 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 not only we're going to like make it more than a week, like like set the time and do it, and and give that to yourself because you're like. Like you just, it's just you don't get it back. Yep. Can you I never get it back? Can I ask you a, a deeper question about something you just said? So one of the things that that you said in that was um, not only to cover for each other, but also reminding yourself to just say that you need to to go away. And I I think that especially in my twenties and maybe even my early thirties, I don't necessarily even know that my jobs wouldn't let me leave on vacation. It was that I didn't ask. Like, I don't think I've ever had anybody tell me no, but I just couldn't bring myself to ask. Have you always had, like, have you always felt like you had that that ability to ask or to say, hey, I need to go away for a little bit? No, and, and I, I, I definitely did not. In, early in my career, I mean, I worked two jobs until I was salary, and then when I was salary, I worked, like, there was no like your salary for X amount of hours. Yeah, it just worked all the time. That just means you cover when, but when labor budget's a little high, when it just it never, it never occurred to me. I mean, I like I was like I threw myself into work mm-hmm. uh, in in a very extreme way from a very young age. Um, work gave me meaning. It gave me identity. It gave me security. Uh, a lot of things I didn't have growing up, so it was a, it's just like I just threw myself at it, and I got a lot back from it, right? But you know, as years go by, especially once you have children, like you, there's a lot of experiences that other people are having that you don't have, and and some of those just as simply as taking a week off, mm-hmm. like. The what that can do, like it, 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 in the heart of who I am as a human being, and yes, I use food and have used food and been in the world of food, and that's where I built my career and life, and it's where my future is. 
like, but that was born from work work ethic and identity, right? But yep. it was also born from being a creative person. Yep. And creativity does not happen under duress, stress, overwork. Creativity comes out of a still mind. Yeah. I'm with you there. And if you never allow your mind to be still, how can you ever create great things? And you can't. You just it doesn't happen that way. You you you're squeezing blood from a stone and so much of us do this in this industry because we don't give our 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 you know, people create cool things out of the gate, and then they just work and work and work until they're spent. And it's because we don't give ourselves the time to come back to that place where we create amazing things. And we um, allow ourselves to be driven, you know, um, in, in it's just something we have to be careful about, and we have to support one another So with you in our world to be able to come to this and to be driven and to do new things and to, you know, um, and we all went through a thing like, you know, the last couple of years, I don't even say what it was, but like that was even so taxing beyond taxing mentally and stress and, you know, you know, that even exacerbated that further, mm-hmm. right? And we have to give ourselves time. We have to come back and do the work and fully engage with it. I mean, fully engage with it, but we also have to be able to find, provide that time for ourselves and for others that work with us, that support us, that are also part of that chain. Well, I'd even take that a step farther because like the biggest example of that in my past was uh, being in a failing marriage. I chose to work myself even harder in what I convinced myself was, was that that would make me seem like I was on a noble pursuit. Mm-hmm. Like I was going yeah. to m- somehow make this, make myself successful. And then that would somehow make this relationship successful. I mean, it was already flatlining, but what I was really doing was I was expending all possible reserves of fuel that I had left. So even if there was something to talk about or work on the, the tank was on empty when I got home. Yeah, work and could be a good place to hide. Exactly, and that's exactly what it was. And it wasn't until everything was finally done and the prairie was burned that I realized how much of myself I had hollowed out in that pig-headed pursuit. And that was a lot of my sort of rebuilding and healing came from trying to teach myself not to use work as the reason I couldn't do things, but also as the crutch to help me not have to tackle things head on. And only in giving yourself time to process things and thinking about myself and thinking about where my head was, could I even begin to grow as a human being myself? Like it didn't, the other person in that marriage almost didn't even matter after that. I had to figure out how to fix me because that was a symptom of somebody who was a little bit broken. And I realized how much of my life I had let sort of start to crack or fall apart because this was, this was my pursuit, and I will be the hardest working person. I will have the most hours on my time card, and I will be the one that says yes to everything. And all it was was avoidance. It was, I wasn't going to earn a gold medal. There was no finish line to that. There's no personal record. You don't get an award. At the, like Perfect attendance isn't a fucking thing. But I burned everything else 
sort of to do that. And that was probably the healthiest lesson that I learned. And that was why I was asking, because that was what taught me. Yeah. I need to just say, I need to take some time off. And sometimes it's for something big, but especially in the last few years, it's also been like, I'm going to take a day off and I'm just going to think about where I'm at. I'm going to try and center myself again. And I think it makes me a better person. You know, I'd, I'd like to think it makes me a better husband. I'd like to think it makes me a better friend because I'm not, I'm not on E all the time. You know, I, I have 100%. time for patience because I have plenty of fuel in my tank most days. And I can't tell you how healing that's been for me and how great I hope it's been for the people around me because nobody, like when I see people for the first time and it's been a little while, they don't immediately look worried. Yeah. Like that's a very nice thing when you realize like, oh, you don't look like that all the time. It's just when you saw me the last we six months or a year. We have to be able to identify how and what brings us joy in our life and then give ourselves a permission to go after that. And we also have to balance that with ambition and our, like, I'm an ambitious person. Mm -hmm. I love, I want to open more restaurants. I want to grow my company. Like, I'm not even close to finished, motherfuckers. Come on, like, like, that ambition's, but one, what I found is one really important way to keep that ambition from dying with inside of me is keeping myself healthy. Mm-hmm. 100%. And keeping yeah, one myself feeds, One grounded. feeds the other. Yeah. One feeds the other. Mm-hmm. The creativity, the ambition, health, joy, you need to have this, you know, it all feeds its, you know, it all feeds itself. It all gets you, and it all brings you and makes you better. Mm. Like, I'm better now. Poetry snaps, yes. Than I ever have been. I'm more whole, more capable now than I ever have been in my entire career. Hands down. It's fucking I, crazy. I would, yes. Yeah, it's you know, an interesting thing about the pursuit of success is that when you ride that wave, you almost want the wave to get higher and higher and higher, and you want to keep sitting on top of it, but you need to get down and come back to the beach and chill. Oh, 100%. And then get back on the wave. Yes. You, need, you can't just ride yes. the wave all the way out into the middle of the ocean because then you'd be caught adrift. And you have to recognize that success is what is in your heart and your vision, not in a measure opposed by others. Yes, absolutely. Like what, what, what this group of people or whatever decides, says measures me as successful is not what's important. It's valid. It's not what's important. I have to measure success for myself and for my partners and what are we trying to achieve and that kind of thing and in my own life. You know, what am I trying to achieve? And you have to decide what it's all for. Yes. And and there will be people in your life that, that won't agree with, they won't, you know, they want something else. That's a reality. It just, right. you know, people are allowed mm-hmm. to disagree and have different opinions on things. But, like, you, you have to make that decision and understand and, and, and build yourself to be this stronger force. Um, and a force that's geared towards the things that are actually going to build and, 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 you know, feed you the right way. I mean, that kind of leads into... Yeah, your next your next question. Let's cheesy poo on that. Oh right. Yeah, cheers, let's yeah. cheers. 
Also, uh, when you empty your glasses, we have yep. a little sort of nightcapper that we'll do for our last uh, for the final. Uh, I like nightcaps. I'm so excited about that. Very Cheers. excited. Cheers. All right, topic number five. Seat. So there's a thing we say of the many tenets we have on the show. Hashtag celebrate everything. This is sort of in that vein. Chef, do you have a ritual or something you find yourself doing with regularity to celebrate your victories in life? It could be something you eat, drink, an activity. Is there a thing that is ritual to you in your life when you have some sort of profound success? Oh, very good question. Um, and when I say very good question, it means I don't have an answer. Um, I can jump in if you want to think for a second. Jump in. Yeah. Jump in on this. So uh, I don't think I've ever actually said this out loud, but uh, hey, this is a this is a solid question or a solid. I, I I'm happy to admit this because I don't think it's going to surprise anybody that knows me. Uh, when I get really good news, if it's during the day or if something awesome happens and it's during the day, I'll take twenty or thirty minutes and I'll pick five songs and I'll just drive. If it's if the weather is forgiving enough, I'll put the windows down and I'll open the sunroof. If not, I'll just turn the fucking radio up as loud as my ears can take it, and I'll just rock with it. I almost always speed. I try not to go too egregiously over. I'm not trying to be unsafe, but <laughs> I'll speed. I'll do, I'll do a loop around. There's a highway system that kind of goes around the Twin Cities. I'll do that whole loop, or I'll go all the way down to the southern suburbs and back up. And it's just like it's me taking time to process everything so that – the first person I call is probably going to be my wife, and I don't give her, you know, seven straight minutes of unfiltered word vomit. Like, I want to yeah. kind of process everything and, like, settle it in. Goes through the filtration system first. Yeah. yeah. But that's also, it, that act is so freeing to me. Like, it, it makes me feel like I'm just turned 16 again. And, you know, when you just would drive for the sake of driving because all you wanted to do was drive. Yeah. Uh, I, I bought a CD player for my, oh no, I had bought a tape player for my first car and I had the tape adapter with the Discman and I would pick whatever CD I was most in love with and that's what I, I would listen to that whole album front to back and then I would go like tell people or go celebrate with people or whatever. And it still feels like that to me. I don't care how achy I am. I don't care anything. I am still a 16-year-old kid driving with freedom, celebrating for a second. Listening to the theme song from Ballers. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then it just like, and then it sort of like settles in. And then it's not, now it's not just a glaze. It's like a marinade that sinks into the skin. And then I feel like, okay, I've thought about this for a little while. I'm really excited I want to call my wife. I want to tell her X, Y, or Z. And then I feel like I've, I've kind of let it settle to the point where now I can give you something like, this just happened. This is amazing. I'm not screaming into the phone. I just want to let you know I'm so happy right now. And then, boom. And then it feels real, you know? But I like to, it's almost like I don't want to scare it away right away. You know? Like, I just got to let it sit for a second. Like, oh, no, this is real. This actually happened. This is a very good thing. Um, some of the stuff recently that's happened with this podcast. Like if the car doesn't take off into the sky like E.T.'s bike, then <laughs> yes. you're like, okay, it's, it is happening. It I'm is happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or I, I don't like wake up in a fever dream. The road. Road. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, this is actually, this is where I am. I've done it. The last time that I did this, previous to what I was just referring to with the podcast stuff coming up, uh, the last time I did this, I drove uh, all the way down to Burnsville, and I just went into a dive bar and had a beer. And it was awesome. 
uh, it was just like literally nobody talked to me. Bartender asked what I wanted. She was watching uh, Jeopardy uh, with a couple people at the bar and like literally didn't talk to me and I loved it. I just sat there with an ice cold beer in a dank ass dive bar with uh, um, uh, Bob Seeger playing on the jukebox and the audio from the TV. I fucking love Bob Seeger, by the way. Yes. I'm just saying I fucking love Come Bob on, Seger. man. Go How on. could you not? Uh, but with the audio of the TV at the same time, which probably in any other scenario would have driven me crazy, but it was beautiful because it meant nobody was talking to me and I could just sit in it for a second and I just sipped a cold ass light beer and I paid my tab and I walked out, got the car. I was like, all right, let's call the wife. And I love it. It's a, it, it almost seems like silly or perfunctory now that I still do that almost 30 years from the first time I did it, but it feels so good. And it's one of the few times that I 100% feel ageless. It feels like I did when I was 16, like I did when I was 23, like I did when I was 30. It feels the same. And that little chunk, especially like when, when you get your favorite songs playing or like, as I would say, my favorite song of all time of this week, uh, and you just rock out. Maybe you're singing along. Maybe you're playing that guitar solo in your head, whatever it is. It's so great because no one, no one can pop that bubble. And I, I enjoy that very much. Dig that, man. I don't know if that, uh, if that, if that stirred anything for you. Well, like, so, so this is weird. So celebration, this is going to be anticlimactic, right? But, Not at all. Um, I don't, so when something really good happens in my world, um, I don't know that, and I'm not saying I've never celebrated anything, I definitely have, um, but, like, internally and, you know, small victory, large victory, like, I came from not a ton of means, mm-hmm. right? All so three of us are very similar in that. scrapping and fighting for everything you have. Mm-hmm. When I get a victory, right, my celebration... Ten, you know, it, it, it's usually almost like a, uh, uh, you know, you're driving fast. Like, say you're driving, and you're in thick traffic, and I, like, I don't know if this is, I don't know where I'm going with this analogy, but it's like, it's almost like you just take your foot off the gas, mm-hmm. goes a little bit, and you just don't feel that pressure. Yes. You found a hill to roll down? That is my celebration is just that just for a second or a space or mm. a couple hours or a time where that pressure, that pressure that says it can all go away, it can all be taken from you, it can all, like, that's... What victory for me usually is is just a temporary reprieve. You can go neutral from for a little bit. From that constant pressure yeah. of believing that I've got to scrap every second. And while that might sound a little fucking depressing, it's not. It's not depressing. It's not. No. It, it's totally fine having that pressure. Look, we should all 
have a little of that pressure mm-hmm. because that's the reality of nature, of the world. It can all be taken away. Some lion or fucking alligator can come and snatch the life out of its prey in a minute. That's the world. That's mm-hmm. life as we know it. So the fact that I've had so many moments in my life that I've been gifted to take that foot off the gas, the, the, the fact that I've had the ability and, and the, the grace to have that pressure from my chest mm-hmm. relieved from various successes is just a gift. And that's the, the you know, in, in, uh, I, so I, I don't have a celebration ritual, but in the most honest to true sensation that I feel when I've really, when I've, like, when something great and momentous has happened in my life and career or whatever, that is the feeling and that is the experience that I have, is that that pressure is relieved. And it, it always comes back, you know, but it just, like, Wow. And that's that is a feeling of epic bliss, um, in in the fact that I felt it as often I've had in my life. I think is quite a gift. I just have to say this: I promise on our friendship that uh, literally I saw my dad today, and he was asking uh, about Charles, you and I going to Denmark in less than two weeks, and I just said I got excited, like really excited for the first time today, because I realized like. Like, we're good. Because in my head, yeah. I am always one missed paycheck away from being yeah. homeless, having my phone turned off. That's how I feel every single day. Right. And that hasn't been true in well over a decade. And I'm sad to say that there were moments in my late 20s that that, that was still true. Oh, absolutely. But, yeah. but to, you're right. Like, it can be toxic to me at times, but it also has turned into fuel. For me, and that has allowed a lot of what I'm celebrating right now in my life to happen because I was so scared of that for so long that I kept pushing and I kept driving. And a lot of those relationships that you make back, you know, years and years and years ago, you don't even know it, but seeds got planted then. And those random conversations turned into ideas, which turned into now business partners for me. Like that's how things work. And I feel so lucky to have that as much as that's a a big thing that I talk about in my own self healing and self work that that's also been toxic to me. It's finding the balance of that. I, I don't exist where I am today if I don't have that feeling, but it's learning how to healthily yeah. negotiate with You'll it. You'll also have reverence yeah. for where you've arrived because yeah. it's it, it, one of the most important lessons in life is that is, you know, if you're, if you're flourishing and you're doing well for yourself, is to look at where you are today and remember that a past version of yourself dreamt of being where you are right now. If you've made it far, Mm -hmm. just remember where you once were. And now it's clear to me that each of us in this room comes from that type of a perspective because I never imagined I would be where I am today. And also I would like to remark on the, the Denmark thing that it was a matter of hours ago, I stood up in the restroom here at the classy confines of Club Caraway, washing my hands, and I looked at myself in the mirror, and I said out loud, 
you're going to be at fucking Noma in 11 days. Yeah. I did it. I, like, <laughs> I was going to admit cool that to you in private. How fucking cool yeah. is that? Yeah. It's insane. You're going to be at fucking Noma in 11 days. I, uh, early, early on guest of the podcast, DJ Dudley D. It was Prince's DJ for 19 years. If you haven't listened to that episode, go back and check out Dudley D. Um, but I had the, the absolutely blissful experience of getting to see him headline at First Avenue, DJing Prince's music on Prince's birthday. And oh, damn. they set up, he set up, he found old archival video footage of early on performances and synced it with the music he was playing. Um, he and a good friend, DJ Casper, actually remastered a few old songs that were live to give him like oomph to play over the speakers. And a thousand people came to First Avenue. And I got to stand there and watch one of my homies who ground it out for two decades sit up there and play his favorite music for that entire crowd. We were talking mm-hmm. about it. And I just said, please tell me at some point you can take a step back and take that in. Yeah. Because there's no fucking way that if, if I could go back in time and we could all be hanging out at Glam Slam and you're looking up at this God on earth playing music on stage and be like, yeah, you know what? Not only are you going to play with this dude for almost two decades, but then first Avenue, the iconic music venue is going to turn to you and ask you to play the tribute show. And he fucking murdered it. And like, I'm really good at pointing that out to other people. I'm just really not great at putting that back on myself. That's why it's nice when you can have friends like yourself, yeah. but to you and to each of us turn the mirror around on the swivel and say, look at what you're doing. Because, yeah, sometimes we do. Sometimes we all need that. And that's that's going to lead directly yeah. into the way that I, I, I look at this particular topic. Is that I was always hunting for the next antelope. I was very seldom focusing on the current success because of the mentality that we've each discussed today. But the thing now... No matter how, because I do, I do take great pleasure in my successes, uh, acquisition of a new partner at Patmos, or even the the ending of a relationship with a partner for me is also a celebration of a job well done. It's these are all victories. There, there was a time where I was always looking for the next victory and not celebrating the one that I was residing within at that very moment. And so now I try to be pointed about finding a way to, and it's not necessarily ritual in, in these other ways, but like prepare a nice meal, go to a beautiful meal, book a trip, open a nice bottle of something, a great bottle of cab or the Yamazaki 18 or something and, but, and pour yourself a little bit. But the one thing that is a commonality in each of those experiences and each of those successes is what's being held right here in my right hand, which yeah. you listeners cannot see. It's a fucking cigar. Hell yeah. It's a cigar. And I smoke cigars for the smallest successes in life and for the largest successes in life. But I can remember cigars I've smoked when I've sealed partnership relationships with a great new restaurant or brewery that we're doing creative work for. And the ink is dried and I'm looking forward to that pursuit. Or again, once it's... You've completed, you know, five years of work with companies, some of the companies that I, I have worked with. And yeah, you go have a great meal and you drink something great or something's great and eat something's great. But at the end of each of those evenings, that's when meditation occurs. Sure. That's when I can fully centralize myself and quiet down the noise around me 
and just get some rolled up tobacco in one hand and some fire in my other hand, put light to it, put it between my lips, lean back, look up at the stars and think about how far I've come Fuck yeah. in on this tiny blue marble within the starscape that I'm staring up at. That is valuable to me. Those moments mean everything to me because if you can't observe how far you've come by looking back down on the hill that you just climbed, yep. I don't know if you can ever really appreciate it. Totally no, and it's no. things like that, even though the cigar itself might have cost $9 and it might have cost $90, but even those little niceties, the cigar itself is nothing but luxury. It's not going to get me buzzed up. It's not going to satiate me for the night so that I don't go to sleep hungry. But there's something about it. It's a little bit of joy and something that I don't have to have in my life. But when I have it and I have sort of that like religious experience for a non-religious person burning the tobacco, yep. that experience to me makes me feel really alive in that moment. And then I can commit to memory what it is that I'm yep. enjoying and then just lean back and think good thoughts, mm -hmm. putting, putting the motor in neutral, knocking it out of gear and rolling down the hill for a little bit and letting that pressure out of my chest while I breathe smoke in and out of it. There's something about that. Like, you can't, you can't well, compare it. Each cigar, you're gifting yourself 20 minutes to 45 minutes, depending on the quality and size of the cigar, of stillness. Because yep. what can't you do when you're smoking cigar? Well, quite a but There's <laughs> a, lot, there's of a lot of shit you can't do. <laughs> and that's kind of the point, is you can't fucking do a lot the best you could do while smoking a cigar is have a cigar and a, a fucking whiskey or a fucking mezcal in the other hand. And look, um, the first original, and I have a photo of this original. I should, wish I had the original of the first revival menu. I wanted you to talk about this because that was yeah. you celebrating what was about to transpire. Yeah. And what did you do? You're so going to tell us. The first revival menu ever written was written at the uh, RIP Golden Leaf yes. Tobacco. Yes. Um, and there'll be people that will listen to this and know because they've sat in meetings with me uh -huh. at or with a cigar, or so many of, of my employees, I love you, whether you hated this, I'm sorry, but I used to write menus with a cigar and a whiskey, and that's how 80% of the corner table menus were written. Sure. Outside the restaurant with a cigar and a glass of whiskey because it allowed me to just quiet my mind. It allowed me to stop, to just fucking stop, mm -hmm. you know, in, in, in like cigar between two fingers and a pen between two on the other hand. Yep. And just stop and actually think and commit yep. to what you're doing in the moment. It's absolutely like a, a, an expression of meditation. Um, it especially in this day and age where we can just take the phone out and start scrolling or fucking doing whatever the fuck. Like, you just just stop mm -hmm. and, 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 and you quiet it all. And so most of the menus over the years that I've written 
have been done with a cigar in one hand. Love it. And a whiskey in the other. And just slow the fucking roll. Give yourself that time. As uh, Kurt Vonnegut Jr. would say, uh, take a second and say to yourself, if this isn't nice, then I don't know what is. Mm -hmm. Like, you got to do that. And also, a great point, Charles, to our listeners out there, uh, try this in your practice. The next time or the next three times, the next five times that you give flowers to one of your friends, that you cheer them on for something they're doing, that you tell a loved one that they're amazing, immediately afterwards, tell yourself something like that. Yeah. Because we also get out of practice in oh, that. 100%. And just like working out, it feels weird the first time that you con- uh, co- compliment yourself. But the more that you do it, the easier it gets and the more natural it feels. And if you're quick to compliment a friend on something amazing, you should be doing the same thing for yourself. And I will admit from personal experience, it does feel weird. But God, it feels better the more you do it. And you get into a habit of doing it. And it allows you to call out certain things in your life that you might not have. Because there's not always a big win. But there's little wins. And, you know, that's all you, sometimes that's all you need. Little wins are fucking amazing. Little wins are amazing. And look, we can share these wins with people all the time. Like, hey. Yeah. You're fucking doing a good job. Exactly. That's it. Like, You're really good you. at what you do. Yeah. One for you, one for me. Yeah, exactly. It's like a bag of pretzels. One for you, one for me. <laughs> well, it's more like a handful for me, but yes. Handful for you, handful for me. You know, another thing that I think is important about giving yourself the credit that is due to you, even if you can't fully observe it or, you know, you can be self-punishing, which I can be at times, and it's things that I work on based on like my upbringing and in therapy is that uh, telling yourself you've done a fine job is not easy for all of us to do but worse than that is if you're the type of person that needs someone else to tell you that you did a good job man try I know it's not easy try to be the one to tell yourself how well you've done without requiring somebody else giving you that rubber stamp of approval because it's going to make you feel more whole. You, also, you're not always going to have the people in your life that are telling you precisely that, wow, you really did it. And if you, if you need that, it's tough. It's a lot easier. It sounds, it sounds like the far way around. It sounds like, you know, the dad who won't consult the GPS. But it, <laughs> it feels good when you can learn to say to yourself, whoa, that's exactly what I wanted. And I did it. And I can smile I can look at myself in the mirror and shout, you did that, and then grab a fucking cigar and go sit in the yard. I had a, a, a big breakthrough about a month ago. Uh, I got myself to the point where I was, like, choked up, thinking about, holy fuck, I can't believe I've gotten to this place. And I was so flummoxed by it because I wasn't prepared to make myself that emotional, but also because I realized I had never done that before. I had never gotten myself to the point where I was emotional about something that I had done. And that's sad. But also No, that's growth. joyous. You know, that's now great. Now you know it. Yeah, now you, I know you, it. You'd and now I want to do it more. say this if you didn't realize 100%. it. That's 100%. It's it, it was it was it's huge. Yeah. So what I wanted to do was that led perfectly into what's poured in our glasses. Woo. Because if this isn't nice, then I really don't know what the fuck is. And it is really fucking nice. So Charles, do you want to just Read that bottle real quick. So I, I'm not going to go into the like the real deep deta- yeah, details yeah. of this because if you haven't heard the Todd Milehair episode, just go listen Todd to it from Escondido. 
that big agave episode we did, which is about three back, I believe. Fantastic uh, masterclass in agaves. And a ton but of fun, too. We were, so toward the end of the episode, um, we noticed this mysterious little bottle, this 375 milliliter bottle with a f- fox or a wolf on it. And we were like, what is that? And Todd told us, well, this is a gift to you. We're not drinking this on the show tonight. This is for you to enjoy it another time. This is his own bottling of um, agave from his many adventures in Mexico studying agave. It's a combination of espadine, tobaziche, and tripon. And it is fucking spectacular. All I'm going to say is that I've took a couple nips. We're about to do our toast. But it's like bright and slightly sweet. And it has this verdant quality that is exceptional. It's like you can taste the agave in the earth. Like the grassiness of this is absolutely brilliant. Mm. So cheers to you. Well, and I'll, I'll say, because I took a little nip of this, right? Mm. And I will just say elixir. I mean, because it's <laughs> it, 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 like it, I love agave spirit in all its forms. And Wow. Uh, this was why I double checked with you again today to make sure that this is what we were drinking because oh. there was no other question that this is what we had Thank to bring. Thank you, gentlemen. And hey, uh, cheers, cheers to each of our successes yeah. and to those of our listeners. And if you're listening and imbibing in anything, cup of coffee, some agave or anything in your between. Your tumbler with water in it in your a, car. A, a can of Plift. Yeah. And hey, cheers to you. Cheers to you. Cheers. Fuck. It's so good. That's, <laughs> That's wildly sexy, holy literally shit. and figuratively. That is really fucking good. So yeah. if I could drink just one thing for the rest of my life, that would fit the bill. That is, uh, yeah. Because there's a weird thing about, like, agave spirits. It's like they're so expressive, right? In, in like, when we, as a culture, drink so many grain-derived yep. beverages... Uh, from beer to whiskey, vodka, you name it. It's all like, to some extent, you know, that's what I've always loved about tequila and agave and and mezcal is that it's just, it's a whole, it feels different. Mm-hmm. It tastes, it represents it. Everything about it is different. And, um, well, this is really uh, special because it's, it's, um, Kind of hits on all these buttons, but dances on them, and it doesn't hit anyone yes. too hard, right? And that's that's like, and sometimes you get in agave, it's like, whoa! I mean, I'm getting like, give me that banana sweet, mm. like fucking in a little pepper, or give me that, you know, you know, vegetal, like you know, green pepper and crazy, like all the you go so many cool places, but wow, this is just kind of dances on. There's like a tiny bit of funk. There's like mm-hmm. a slight bit of salinity. Yeah. And then that grassiness. I feel like my hand's in the dirt. You know, yeah. like you can like feel the 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 pulse of the earth. Yeah. But there's a softness to it as Absolutely. well. That's, that was where I was going to yes. go. Is yeah. there's a, it's like, like a silky. Yeah, it's, uh, fuck, that's just incredible. 82, 82 proof. Yeah, let's skipping. go. Yeah, that's, that's really beautifully composed. Thank you, Todd. Yeah, shout out to Todd, man. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, okay, well, final final question. 
uh, as it is summertime, and as we talk about a lot on this show, a lot of our listeners have four seasons in their worlds, so we really have to respect spring into summer, summer into fall, because we know winter is coming, and it makes it tougher. Not that we can't be outside year-round. It just makes it a little tougher for some of the activities. Um, we all also have a background of cooking outdoors, whether it's a giant barrel smoker, a smaller smoker, uh you have a pizza oven. We're talking about doing some crazy pizza ideas, yakitori grill, straight up charcoal grill. I think that a lot of people are intimidated by how to get into that and how to kind of start pushing themselves when cooking outdoors yeah, because yeah. it's not the traditional kitchen. It's truly not usually what like cooking shows or anything easily accessible ever focuses on. And if they do, they ignore all of the work and all of the how-to, and they only go to the sexy porn shots. 100%. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, they'll cut inside for interviews, and then they go back outside for a little mop sauce, back inside, and then they cut out, and here's a plate. What I wanted to ask is, for both of you, what advice would you give somebody that maybe wanted to get into cooking outdoors, or and or what would you say to somebody that, you know, maybe does one thing and wants to get into some more. Is there anything that you would like, it can be general. It can be very specific. However, you'd like to take that, um, passing on because anything, in my opinion, anything that gets us outdoors for more time than we would normally give ourselves is a win across the board. It reminds us where we are on the planet. It reminds us to get away from some of our creature comforts. Um, and I think you just have a better attachment to the world around you if you're cooking outside because it's not quite as private. Yeah. So, well, so to touch on this, I'm going to broaden for a second and also go way back machine um, uh, and touch on something we haven't touched on today, which was In Bloom. Mm. And uh, In Bloom was a restaurant that we opened 2017, 2018, I forget the name, uh, in St. Paul. In Bloom was St. Paul's only uh, and ever four-star restaurant uh, that we opened. I'm very proud of that fact. Damn right. Um, it's no longer open, which is very sad. Um, and we just did some really, really incredible things there with some really incredible people. And it was difficult on levels. There were wins and successes and in, in difficulties that I that, that will define me as a person forever, um, and uh, but it was also a very ambitious project because it was it was at the time the the nation's largest wood fired mm-hmm. art, and I love and absolutely love cooking outdoors and love cooking over wood fire and with wood fire, and that's. Yes really kind of moved into the barbecue that we do now and have done throughout the years um, from pig roasts to porchettas over wood fire to, I mean, you name it, we've done it. Um, Farm dinners to, uh, you know, I mean, it's just, it's just something I've always just absolutely loved. There's something about igniting wood on fire and the smell that that creates from a bonfire to doing simple fucking s'mores, to like you know, like I when I when I was growing up, I you know most people know and listeners might not know. Um, I was born in Minnesota, but I moved to the Carolinas when I was five. Hence yep. the Southern cook. I grew up there, 
later in Missouri and whatnot, and, and came back here about 20 years ago. Um, but one thing that we used to do is we would move back. I mean, when I mean move back, I, I would come back to my father's house every summer and spend a certain amount of summer vacation with him every year. And we would go up to a cabin for a week in Wisconsin, Half Moon Lake. And then we would also go to this bluegrass festival that we'd camp for a week. And, uh, you know, the kids would spend the night in the tent. And then, like, uh, the, the, the parents had a little camper. But breakfast every morning was over this big bonfire. Yes. And dinner, like all the meals were over this big bonfire. And we would do the things you guys have probably, like you, the hobo pies. Oh, hell yeah. You know what I'm talking yes. about? Like, like, like you'd take the, it was a cast iron, like oh, clamping thing yep. that you'd put white bread and you'd put fillings and you'd clamp they're it back. They're in vogue right now. Yeah. Throw, oh, they're so fucking good, right? Mm-hmm. That was the original Uncrustables for our younger listeners out there. It was so fucking good, yeah. right? Yep. Like, like. That you do pizza in that oh, shit. Oh, like, come, come on. on! Pizza was like the altar. You do apple pies, you ham do and s'mores, cheese, ham whatever, and cheese. Right? Like that shit. Like that was where this was all born for me. Yep. Right? Uh, I love it. I, you know that, that whole idea. You know, in Bloom was a restaurant where we really expanded on some crazy ass shit, trying to do yes. everything we could over fucking fire, um, and it was a cool thing. Uh, you know, pandemic killed it. Didn't last. It is what it is, but. Was really cool, um, and, and I could talk about that forever. But when we talk about just the the, the joy of cooking over fire, um, and the realities of it, um, fire from wood and cooking over it is one of the most difficult things you will ever attempt in your entire life. When you have a gas stove at home, or for restaurant folks. And you turn that gas burner on, you click a little knob, (laughs) and you get blue flame. And blue flame is really fucking hot. And it'll heat a pan really quick. If it's it's a a charbroiler, it'll cook a steak really fucking quick, and the grates will get really hot, and you'll get these great grill marks. No wind? It is no wind. You know exactly the level you clicked? But this is the thing. When you ignite a piece of wood on fire, what color is that flame? It shit's orange. Yep. And it's yellow at best, which means... A little white dancing in there. really not that fucking hot. Mm-hmm. It's not as hot as you think. And you're like, oh, it's fire. It's hot. It's not that hot. Like, cooking over wood in wood fire is a slow process. You're not going to get intense heat you're looking at this is fire it should be intense heat it's not that fucking hot nope. it's just not it's like it's it, it's like like you take your gas stove it's blue that shit's hot like real, you real. Know, fire you put your you know so that that's a reality it's a slower type of heat this is the other thing gas is a dry cooking heat cooking over wood fire has more humidity. And when you cook over a more humid environment, it changes the texture sure. and, 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 and the, the bite of foods and meats. We know this with barbecue. Barbecue's got this beautiful bite to it, right? It's not like a, a swampy, soppy, 
braised meat that we find on all this shit everywhere you eat, like it's not, it's got a bounce to it. It's got a, a tooth to it, like mm-hmm. an al dente mm-hmm. pasta. Mm-hmm. Like there's a beauty to barbecue. There's a beauty to things cooked with wood. And, and, and so that's what you're after when you're doing this and those great smells and experience of just being on wood fire. But when you're going to do this, and when people are going to approach cooking with wood fire, like get this idea out of your mind that you're going to put something over wood fire and it's going to burn. Like it's going to be so hot you're going to cook quick. <laughs> no, yeah. it's a slower process. And, and different implements need to, and, and also you talk about wind, my God. Like you mm-hmm. can be an inch from the coals. If you got wind, you got nothing. You, got no, you have no heat, right? Yep. So how are we, you know, doing wind shields and how are we, like, Outdoor it affects the embers, how they're burning, how quickly that you need to add more fuel. Everything. And like yes. and I you know, we used to do a lot of whole pig roasts and hog roasts and like uh-huh. we would we had, we did one at the salt factory one year and it was so windy where we had the the uh did you get that one? No, no, no. Oh god. It was it was in this weird like channel of wind. That came through in between these two buildings where we had the we had the pit set up, and this is an old like one thing I used to do, and I love doing, still do love doing. It, I haven't done it in a while, but we would build a pit out of cinder block and steel, and yeah, the best way to cook. A so pit that's literally that. why I was laughing. Is the only time that I've ever done a whole hog. We built one of those, but we did it on a beach because the sand wouldn't burn. But we were on the fucking shore of a lake. Oh. Like it was windy the entire night because we were doing just it overnight. On fire like a fucking candle. We we ended up having to go in rotations because we couldn't possibly nobody could go to sleep rotations because of standing in front of the wind. Yeah, well, no, literally like <laughs> making sure that you were constantly adding fire to right, it. Right. So yeah. uh, unfortunately, yeah. one of our four chefs missed the entire meal because he got carbon monoxide poisoning <laughs> from standing oh. in front of the fire for so long at night. It'll get you. Yeah, It'll sorry. You. Anyway, that's why no, I was laughing. No, it was yeah, like, yeah, holy yeah. shit, yes, 100%. that 100% happened to me. Um, yeah. And I remember, like, you know, I did an event once where we did this whole, it was a beautiful thing. Like, I, I, I deboned an entire pig, right? Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Mm. Skin on. Deboned <laughs> an entire oh, pig. yes. And we did this multiple times, but then I like took most of the meat out and made this sausage, and then basically made a giant zamponi or sausage. Let's go! Yeah, I, th- I like, was fantasizing about you porkheading the whole pig. Well, whoa, we've done whoa. that. Oh I my god! Oh my god! Not, not only did we do that, Mike Phillips and right I now. once culinary boner with four pigs at once in one day. Ooh. In one day, Mike Phillips and I deboned did a full. Four whole hog porchettas over wood fire for one event. Where <laughs> was I? Right. It was just TFCI. so epic. Oh, I'm going to show you these pictures. You're going to be like, oh, fuck. fuck. It was, it was, I think I just was, got high thinking about that. It was the Holy best porchetta I've ever had <laughs> in my entire life. And, of course, Mike Phillips is Ooh. a fucking magician yeah. when it comes to pig. And the seasoning of the porchetta something. He's like, wow. But... Um, you know, uh, just a magical thing. But this one, we, we, we basically made a sausage. You know, we took all the meat off the skin and literally had the full skin of the pig, fully yeah. intact, entire yeah. thing. And then took some of the larger pieces and made basically, uh, um, uh, well, I'm forgetting the name of the Polish sausage, but it's got like, ham- anyways, but we made this giant sausage out of a whole pig. 
And, and, and we were doing this event, and the wind was just blowing through like crazy. And the pig, like, just caught on fire. <laughs> it just <laughs> caught on fucking fire. And, like, I mean, you've got, I mean, like, like you know, <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, you got, you got a lot of wind. Yep. You got a, a pig, which is a lot of fat. Yep. And, and uh, fire, and uh, it just caught on fire. Mm. And we, we put it out, and it was totally fine. We were able to serve it. And, but, um, <laughs> like, you got to be careful. You did that on purpose. <laughs> just, just that say, was intentional. Like, yeah. Drainage is a big thing with one of these, these old kind of pits. If you look at some of the big, like in the Carolinas where I grew up, you look at the, the, the pits. All the pits they have in a shed. Like just covering, they're not just outdoor because yeah. it protects from the wind and those flare-ups and things right. like that. Yes, because those can cause a lot of issues. Oh, amazing. But uh, uh, wood fire cooking, it's not as hot as you would think, and 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 that's one of the things. It's a slower cooking method, and people often think that like you're going to put some shit on this fire and it's going to cook real quick, and it's just not. So it's a it's a it's, it's also a mistake to try to because even as I, I I don't do barbecue I grill but that also takes time you're gonna get where you're going you don't want to put a chicken on a direct flame with no lid with all that dripping fat and end up with burnt skin and raw meat like, oh hundred percent you need to there's a balance mm-hmm. there's a balance there's a dance you have to dance with the fire it, it, what well, is that would that be your advice then Charles. Uh, my, th- I mean, I've said it before, but dare to fail. If you've never cooked with act- an actual fire element, my advice is to dare to fail. You need to learn. You need to learn to tame the fire like a lion. Like you have to learn how it behaves. Uh, where is your grill located? If you, you know, say you get a Weber and it's outside of your home, and you find a spot for it that just fits nicely into the composition of your yard, you have to consider where the the wind is being drawn between like the corridor of your driveway and your garage and anything like that and you need to test that fire to know your like cold zone your hot zone where you should place the coals to enable yourself to have those variations on zones and you really need to i mean i always say francis smallman is my spirit animal Mm -hmm. because that dude will cook anything over fire anywhere on a fucking cliffside that guy will He'll, he'll do it. And it's because he has this relationship with fire. Uh, and I've been working on cultivating that relationship with fire my entire adult life because there's nothing that I love more than having the reflection of my eyes with the fire dancing in it. It's a little pyro oh, yeah. quality. Yeah, also, like, I want to remark that I absolutely adored in bloom. I desperately hope you do something again some someday like that because for all the fine dino stuff i do and all the michelin star restaurants i go to nothing dazzles me as much when i sit down at a dinner as i am dazzled by places like in bloom royster momofuku co but when you see that fire pit and you see food being cooked over it like when i went to momofuku co with uh brett splinter in in new york city uh a few years back here they have the the pit right in the center of their little kitchen stadium island and you watch them throughout the course of the meal preparing your final dish which is this duck cooked over wood fire and you're watching them the whole time they're fucking teasing you 
from the second you sit down and it takes two and a half hours before you finally get that dish and they make you watch the whole time you're sitting yeah. in the cuck chair yes you're sitting in the duck chair <laughs> not the cook. You're sitting in the duck chair and you're just watching and like getting meat horny and you're just like, Are you fucking kidding with that thing? How are they gonna serve it to us? And it's just this bounty, like, you know, Bosam style with all the fixins, but you watch it as it gets darker and darker and they maneuver it and they're taking their time. They're doing it right. And then you, you have to take time. Yeah, you and when you taste it, you get the smoke and the fat and the crispy outside and that subcutaneous layer is perfectly rendered, but it's still present. They left some of it there. They didn't render it all out. And then you have that meat that is perfectly juicy. But that experience, that's what you're efforting for. And if you're going to effort to cook, we don't like to waste food. I hate to waste food. You don't like to waste food if you're listening to this, but get some chicken, get pieces, like get get chopped up pieces of chicken like the separated thighs and everything and then figure out how your flame works and the distance you require from where that protein is located on your grill and just very carefully figure out taking the time to let everything cook while it's a dance where the different portions of that meat are cooking at different speeds they're not cooking at the exact same speed but you want that skin to be nice and crispy and it's okay to get a caramel brown on it, but it's not that hard to burn it, and it's not that hard for it to be flabby while the inner meat is properly prepared. But to be able to accomplish both at the same time, to get that nice, crispy, brown skin that is cracker crisp that you can tap your finger on, and to also have that glistening, perfect chicken on the inside, and to take a bite of that, that's fucking magic. Oh, yeah, yeah. And understanding the relationship between the direct flame, which, as yep. we've ascertained, we'll burn another you. thing I wanted to yeah. remark is that, you know, the blue flame on your stove, if you ever want to figure out how much hotter that is than your grill, uh, if you grill a red pepper for anything you're using a roasted red pepper, do it on your stovetop. It takes like 10 minutes. Yep. Do it on your grill. It takes like 25 minutes. Nope. It's, oh, 100%. That's a, that's a good way to understand with direct heat. Or the difference between hold your hand right over a grill where the flames are two inches from your hand. And don't do it on your stove. <laughs> then, like, do just pass your hand over the stove. You'll learn real quick. But that's what I say. Dare to fail. You know, yeah. just like you, yeah. need to, you need to experiment because it is a, it's a primordial dance. Like the first, as soon as humans discovered fire, that is the first form of art that we really had. I mean, I know we had finger paintings on cave walls and things like that, but it's a form of art that also sustained us where we learned how do we tame this source so that we could cook the, this meat that we've hunted. So I feel that like connection to the earth and to the planet and all the people who came before us when I, when I do that. So you have to, you have to learn as those before us learned. So when you're doing it, you have to actually, there is trial and error involved. You're not going to get it perfect the first time. And if you do, you won't get it perfect the second time. Nope. Because you'll learn some lessons. We always say you win or you fail. You're going to learn some lessons, but you're not going to get it right the first time and then every time after that. But before you know it, you've cooked thousands of pieces of chicken over open fire, as I have, and it becomes second nature. You're not yep, temping yep. it. You're not putting it. Th- you're just like, that's it. I know now because you create the that connection. Intuitiveness, you know. And, yes. And, uh, one of the, the all-time 
favorite events I've ever done. And I would love to do it again. But we uh, did an event for uh, a whiskey company. It was a private event. It was unfortunate it was private because it was just so epic. But it was a beefsteak dinner. And a beefsteak dinner, classically, was done for political reasons or whatnot. And you would um, have all this beef, and you would just eat only beef. And you would eat it on the Cristini, but you wouldn't eat the Cristini. And you'd save the Cristini and stack it up and whatnot, oh, right? really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, like... It's the plate. Yeah, yeah, that's the plate. Oh, interesting. Uh, there's no plates, there's no silverware, it's all beef. Um, so we wanted to do something a little bit different with this type of thing. Um, and and uh, we're talking with... Uh, I want to uh, eat those Cristinis, right? Oh, the the my, oh my God, <laughs> that, that's it. That's your dessert. <laughs> But we did beef soaked crostini, full spread. We had yeah. some wagyu. We had some grass fed. We had different types of meat, mm. right? Of these really high end, I think zabuton that we were doing, and yes. uh, uh, um, that there was like the, and some grilled oysters with bone marrow. Uh, we would do this Ooh. this bone marrow uh, uh. topping on the, the flame grilled oysters. So fucking amazing, right? Like keeping with the beef theme and like a couple of different appetizers, right? But the main course was a full quarter of beef that we cooked over fire. Come on. And we took a full front quarter of this limousine beef. It was just so fucking spectacular. It was a front quarter? Yep. It was a full front quarter. So you get your ribeye, you get the ribs, you get the brisket, you get the chuck, you get all this, like, right? And, and... Like, like, you know, but this is the thing. Like, nothing is, like, rare or medium rare. Like, everything's kind of, like, what's on the outside is cooked more, what's on the inside is cooked less. And But we kind of cooked it like a giant prime rib, right? Like, so mm. it went for, like, 14, 16 hours. Yeah. And when we finally pulled it out to people, it took a full table and, like, two people to lift this thing out of the fucking fire. It, like, bring it over, and we just carved off of yes. it. Yes. Right? And we just carved off of it. We carved in between the ribs, and we carved off of the, 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 the fattier part of the brisket, and we carved off of the spinalis from the fucking ribeye, and we carved into the fucking, uh, my favorite flat iron portion of the shoulder mm-hmm. cloth. Mm-hmm. Like, we carved into all the goods and just carved and carved and carved. Until and people ate and ate and ate and drank more whiskey and drank more whiskey and ate and ate and ate the most succulent wood fired pieces of fucking beef as they drank Aww. more whiskey and ate more. And at the end, <laughs> each table, because these four massive tables, had these structures that they erected with their Christinis in in like building towers and bridges and like the most elaborate shit was fucking great. Yeah. He did this on their own. There's no instruction. Amazing. I don't know what the fuck these people were doing. This happened. They got they were like you know drinking whiskey, eating beef, drunk. You know like whiskey like, fueled like, creativity like, is right? is not to be trifled with. Not yeah. to be trifled with. And it was just so fucking amazing and so much fun. But to take a whole quart of an animal, it yeah. took like three people to lift and cook it over the fire until it was just fucking magical and um i just i love that the event was still to this day one of my most favorite things like i i i want to cook a whole cow 
I saw a video of that Over, a couple months ago. I've seen that. Oh, I dude, it looks do it so bad. Man, uh, I'm in. Yeah, I'm, I'll help bankroll that. Let's go. That Let's would be in. so fucking amazing <laughs> and so yes. difficult. It'd be very oh, difficult. I, there's no um, question. You'd have to get some elaborate. Like giant La Cucina type situation. I've got yeah. thoughts, uh, <laughs> obviously, but like, um, it just just so amazing because like, yeah, like, it, it, like I've done the suckling pigs, and you know, I've, I've been through been to Estebari and the, the, through yeah. the Basque Ooh. regions of Spain, and and eating their beautiful suckling pigs over wood fire, and all. And it's, I love it, and I love it so much. But there is nothing like. American beef cooked slowly over wood fire. Yes, ma'am. It is one of the most amazing flavors in all culinary world. You know, I'll put it against all the foie gras and all the fuck anything. And like, there's just, it can be so amazing and uh, a flavor that rivals, I think, anything. And it, it like, I just, I just love it. It's, it's and like every time, like, we do brisket at the, you know, revival smoked meats and like, like cut off of the point end and like you like I eat one piece of not even a full slice of brisket, right? You can't eat a full slice of brisket. Like 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 you take a full slice off of the point end and like quarter it and put some salt on there and you eat it and it's like like it's the whole world packed yes. into a bite. Mm. Like it's just so intense. I just love it so much. And uh I don't know, beef Beef over wood fire, wood smoke is just kind of uh, just a fucking amazing thing. And um, I feel like I can hear the drool from all of our listeners collectively. Oh, my God. <laughs> Tens of thousands of people around the world just holding napkins to face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I like each can't. It's just so fucking good. My, uh, my advice is, uh, I, I mean, a lot of things just got sniped right there, but... I guess I would say, so I have this, I have this theory, I cannot prove this, and I've talked about it, I think, once or twice on the show before, but uh, the reason fire is so alluring to humans is because it was the first time that we didn't have to think about fight or flight, because we had light that wasn't given to us, we had warmth that wasn't given to us by the sun, and it gave us time to reflect on things, like for the first time in our our genital or genital genetic ancestors history uh you can warm you <laughs> yeah i mean definitely i have <laughs> uh but no it, it gave us time to, to sit and contemplate yeah and that's where like probably the origins of music come from that's definitely where storytelling came from because that was the first time people would have had time to to make up stories about things and i love that side of it and i think that that extrapolates out to cooking outside so my advice would be take time with the entire thing not just with the cooking of the meat, but incorporate being outdoors into all of that. Give yourself that time to reflect. Know ahead of time that it's not going to be quick, whatever you do. So give yourself that time to reflect, to contemplate what it is that you're cooking. What are you celebrating by cooking? Who is coming over to eat this? Who is in your house that's going to eat this? Why are you excited about doing that? And in giving yourself that time because it does take longer to do it does take more times to get good at it constantly reminding yourself of why you're doing it will make it that much more valuable to you 
it's not a point and twist and then flame is there. You have to actively try to manage that flame. You have to actively try to manage that heat. You have to understand it. It's worth you the have effort. To, it's worth the effort, but it's worth the conversation. There's a reward. You know, you're talking to yourself about what I should be doing and should I move this here and how do I do that? And then taking a step back from that and realizing that that does cut out millions of years of evolution. And it's the closest thing that we have to going back that far in time. And really kind of taking all of that in as you're doing it kind of gives it a little bit more purpose. And not that standing in my kitchen isn't purposeful for me, but I always feel a little bit more attached to things that I cook outside because it is eschewing a lot of those trappings of modern society. And yeah, you can look at your phone and scroll through shit and you can wander around. But like my favorite stuff, it's the one time that I really talked to my neighbor, Tim. Like he's an incredible human being. He's awesome. He's a born again Christian and we don't have a lot in common when it comes to stuff like that. But we'll straight up uh, Tim and Wilson over the fence and we'll talk for a while. He always wants to know what I'm up to. He follows me on Facebook. So he's always curious about my cooking and we'll have these great conversations about stuff. If you have friends over, you have loved ones that are out there with you. There's plenty of time to have great conversations hang out with that and sit in that just as the food cooking is taking its time. Give yourself that time because that is, again, we, I, we keep coming back to a common uh, thread that I didn't intend in asking this question, but you're giving yourself stillness. hundred percent. You know, like 100%. you're, you're anchored to that. You, if you walk away from it, you will burn something. Yeah. You'll, you, you, you'll stop the conversation with the fire, with the heat and it can take over very, very quickly or it can go out. And it can ignore your, your protein. Oh, and you're raw. Right. You're yep. just raw. And it's like, well, part of this is like, in anybody that's loved having a bonfire with people over, it's tending that fire. Yeah. Like, we used to preach this at in bloom. Like, cooking is the part we all know. Tending the fire. We're setting the environment for cooking to take place. Yeah. And if you let that go... Or let it get too hot or what, like, like control, you're, you're controlling, you are the oven. Yeah. Yep. You are the oven. You got to like, cook the wood to cook the food. Yeah. It sounds stupid. That's it. Environment. And, and like for all those that love building the perfect fire, tending it, digging in the coals, probably, like you'll love fire cooking. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you love that because you're hypnotized by the fire for one. But also you love your creating in this environment and controlling this environment and tending this environment. And that stillness, as mm-hmm. you, you mentioned, is like it, it's, it's a full fire cooking is very meditative because mm-hmm. you can't you cannot rush it. Mm-mm. You can't control it with a touch. You, you have to set the perfect environment for it. You have to, you, you're building the whole thing from the ground up. Absolutely. That's like, that's my version of touch grass. So yeah. it's like touch grass. I'm like, no, I'll touch. Well, I don't want to say touch meat. Touch meat. <laughs> well, you know, you know but like when you, you know, that's like you're outside and you're not, you can't fuck around on your phone in one hand and have the tongs in the other. You can try. Like it's okay to maybe take a video or something. But when you, I'm out in front of my 48 by 24 Yoder grill and that, 
fire is speaking to me and the meat's down and I got to figure out open, close, tamp, op- you know, like open the tamps more, close them down, add fuel, add vegetables, flip mm-hmm. things. Like you're like really, it, you're communing. Like mm-hmm. you were saying, communing with your neighbor, yep. communing with nature. The squirrels are running up and down the tree and doing whatever the fuck they do. And, you know, you're like amidst nature and you can feel the breeze and you have to understand how the wind is, yep. is kind of navigating and is it picking up? Is it slowing down? Is it going to rain? That's like a version of touching grass. If someone says to you, touch grass, I'm like, all right, I'm going to go outside and grill. 100%. <laughs> and going back to, to what I was saying about fire, um, when I was a kid, in the same summer, I learned that uh, every culture has different onomatopoeia for the sound that animals make. Like cows moo, yeah, pigs oink, dogs bark. That's only in yeah, we all, yeah, that yeah that's only in every country. <laughs> exactly, yeah. everything is different. But that same summer that blew my mind. That same summer, I also learned that everybody laughs the same, and I thought that was like the only thing that we kind of communally shared. And it was one of the reasons that I really fell in love with comedy. But what yeah, I also ja, realized, ja, 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 right? <laughs> but it's still ha ha ha. <laughs> uh, but but the, <laughs> the other thing that I love is read it. across the world, we all sit around fires the same way. Yep. And we all, different spices can be used, different proteins can be used, different vegetables can be used. But the process of cooking food over fire is the same for everyone because it started at the same root. Mm. And acknowledging that is very comforting to me to know that that if I cook something over a bonfire at a friend's house, uh, recently I had a wonderful dinner at a two-time former guest, Paul Hennessy's house, and we cooked everything over his bonfire in the backyard. And I was just sitting there thinking about how wonderful it is that there's somebody in Spain, there's somebody in Chile, there's somebody in China, there's somebody in Australia, there's somebody in Siberia who's probably doing this at the same time. And I love that. Because when you strip everything away, we really are so much the same. Mm-hmm. It's same roots, same everything. You're fiveling it. You're looking at the same moon. Yeah, man. And I'm here for it. <laughs> let's, let's, I mean, I guess American tale isn't the right word for that. But yeah, <laughs> no, I, 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 there is something really beautiful in that. And, and just like we all look up at the same stars and the same moon, uh, that is something that we all have in common. And anything that we can do, especially in 2023, to remind ourselves that we are from the same roots and we are all human beings is probably pretty healthy for us. Oh, 100%. Because <laughs> a lot of other things are trying to tell us that it's something let's, else. Let's stack Christinis together. Let's stack Christinis. God. Yeah, let's Shit. make Christini mazes. Let's, let's go. Well, I am let's in for that, especially if I'm fueled by beef and whiskey. <laughs> yeah. In. Oh, my God. I think I, you like, have a shirt that says that, don't you? I do. <laughs> we have a uh, like tradition at my house. Where every so often, and we were just remarking, uh, Martha and I, about, like, it's been a second since we've done this, but we just, like, we usually get a case of bone marrow and, like, just take out a handful of bones from time to time. Oh, it's pretty good. And toasty, I think. And uh, we just, like, roast some bone marrow. And get yeah. some whiskey or tequila and just dine. In. And just In. dine. And we'll just scoop it out, Speaking eat a couple primordial. bones each. That's it. And, God, it's so fucking good. And, and like, you know, we just do this for, you know, like, for ourselves, for each other, for, like, 
just the joy of fucking doing it, yeah. right? Or like steaks. Like we, we like, like there's great steakhouses. I love them, but like mm. we just we, so like last weekend we just um, we got a full prime ribeye, like the whole thing, and mm-hmm. we just cut it up. Like and we had a you know a Father's Day thing mm-hmm. and you know her dad and like like me and we got, we all had a bunch of us had steaks right, but the rest of it we cut into like three inch, just just chunks right bad boys right yeah, yeah. and uh, and we vacuum seal them and like you know and we just pull those out from time to time and cook yes one. yes and yes yeah. gotta do it like and just <sighs> like man I'm just with like, you. I stay, I stay, I, I always keep that motherfucking thing on me. I got, nope. I, I have like a variation because I have different like grades of Wagyu and then I have like Vaca Vieja from Spain and then just like good old American beef. But I always have a variation in my freezers ready oh, because yeah. sometimes you're like, hey, it's a steak night. It's a steak night. Mm-hmm. It's, it's time for some you're beef on the that. flame. We're going to hear it crackle. We're yeah. going to commune with nature and dance with the fire. And then when that thing's done, we're going to bust out the knife, slice it up, and just lean back. Mm. So I'm going to talk about eating beef real quick because, like, mm. I think I eat. Just now? I, 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 I think, <laughs> I think right, I, okay. Give I, me one more pour of that little guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think I eat beef a little differently. Most people will let me check. Okay. And and, and and if I do, I, I just want to give the opportunity to educate people about how they should all be eating beef real quick. Okay. So, like, cook a ribeye. Let's say it's about three inches thick. And I like my ribeye about, you know, medium. All right? Most other steaks, medium rare is my go-to. A ribeye, I like to go a little bit further because that spinalis or the chain around the outside, I want to break down that fat. You want to render it out? You got to get some rendering happening, you know, because there's so much beauty happening there. But then I cut the steak, right? And do you wheel out your spinalis or do you keep it whole? Well, so we do both. Okay. So what's even more fucked up? Let's go. Is we a lot of times order just whole spinalis. I wish you could Maybe. see for no, our listeners. I wish it, you could it, see it, Thomas's it, face right now. It, bro, it I wanted to evil do, genius it, face it, right now. I wanted to do spinalis only for my oh, wedding, yeah. and then it was like, all right, that's so gonna cost good. like ten grand just for the fucking beef. We have a whole spinalis <laughs> in in the fridge at home right now. A whole spinalis. Oh, I want another. Really I want another T-shirt that just says spinalis only, and we leave spinalis it at spinalis only. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like so, for Father's Day, right? Her her dad likes likes a leaner steak. Yeah. Love that, you know, all about that. So they cut a good two and a half inch, you know, chunk off the prime ribeye, peeled off the spinalis, pinwheeled that, yeah, and oh. then like did the tied the nice eye and Ooh. like cooked that for him. Oh. You know? uh-huh. But that spinalis just that, that was cooked still sits in my fridge right now. So I'll probably go home after this and snack on that. Yeah, you will. Uh, yeah, yeah, you just will. Shave it real thin and put some salt and olive oil <laughs> there. You? But like when I eat a steak, the steak's on the plate. And even if the steak's rested, because I'm, I'm like resting, like we could have a whole yeah. like, like rest. Please rest, please your fucking rest steaks me. for the love of God. Any meat you cook, rest it. Um, 
but like, so I cut my steak in, 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 in as I'm eating, I cut it, you know, in, 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 into whatever pieces, you know. Can I just quickly interject? Yes. Rest before and after. Yep. People pull out super cold steaks and throw them on their grill and they're blue in the middle and they're like, why? Yeah. Because he was fucking freezing cold when he threw it right on the grill. Yeah, right? Come on, guys. <laughs> let it, let it, like this is, let it be happy. Yeah. Give it time. Let it be happy. <laughs> Um, and so what I like to do is I'll, I'll like, as you cut the first, you're going to, you're going to cut and eat the first few bites. Cause you're, you, the steak just came off the grill. You seasoned it. Well, you're in love with this. You want to eat it right Jeff now. Street. The first couple of bites are fucking magical. Mm-hmm. They're amazing. Right. Cause you got the crispy, you're cutting off the edges. It's crispy. It's like, you got the Meyer, you got the caramels, you got all these things. Um, but like, what happens when you get about two or three slices in, you, you get some pooling of beautiful and tasty juices that come into the plate, right? Give it to me. But this is what you do. You sprinkle the salt on the plate, and then you slice the steak, and then you dip it in the salt and juices. And yep. then you oh, eat it. yeah. Each and every, 100%. like, I have a salt box that when I eat steak, I bring the salt box right next to my plate, and as I eat the steak, I sprinkle the salt on the plate. So as the juices mm. come, they meld with the salt, and I pull the steak through it. Mm. And that's how I mm. eat my steak. Mm. My nipples are hard. If you do that, you will have the most amazing yes. steak eating experience. Get yourself a salt box. It's great. Like, you know. Oh. It's useful shit. I love that. That's like super, that's super Lebanese, too, because... Like in Lebanon, we eat a lot of stuff where you just spill a little pile of salt on your plate and you dip it in there. And it can be like green almonds when they're Mm. like beautifully fresh. But also Lebanese people eat raw beef liver and raw cubes of beef. And you just pile them up on your dish and you take them and you press them into the salt. So you got a whole side that's coated in salt and you pop it in your mouth. But that's very much like a similar thing where it's like the plate itself, you use the plate to coat. You don't have to sprinkle right Mm -hmm. on the piece. No, no, no. Choose your own adventure. You swipe around. Mm -hmm. Yep. Swipe through the juice, swipe through the salt granules, and then just drip it in your mouth. Little drips. Everywhere. I'm sorry if you're oh. vegan. Uh, uh, genuinely, like, you could do, it, but you could do the same thing with vegetables. And, you and, do, and like I, I do. Said, you I 100 percent do. You can do yeah. that with the yeah. the green almonds, which are yep. beautiful. I love Absolutely. doing that with asparagus. Absolutely. That's my favorite thing sure. is to yeah. swipe that through. Like I always leave a couple pieces of asparagus or broccoli, broccolini oh. at the end because I love cleaning it up with that. Like let's oh, go for man. sure. Mm. For sure. All right. Well, we should we should bring this tr- crazy train back into the station um, for people the beef that train. The, the beef train let the, the meat train, train smoke <laughs> skin that smoke wagon. What? Um, <laughs> so, sorry, all my Tombstone fans are agreeing with me. Uh, so, for people that live in the Twin Cities area or maybe traveling through, uh, how can they come? Uh, everybody, literally everybody listening, except maybe the vegans, uh, are definitely dying for some of your food where should they go how do they follow you on the socials all of that yeah we'll, we'll come see us at revival right uh, revivalrestaurants.com mm. is our is our website and that'll direct you to ordering online to catering to our food trucks to the different locations uh but come to our restaurants at uh st louis park 
Revival St. Paul and Revival Smoked Meats in South Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. Um, you can follow us at, uh, you know, our, you know, Instagram, uh, uh, Revival MPLS, and uh, um, I might have to search Revival because I, I, I'm really terrible at knowing all of our handles. Sure, sure, sure. For the, the various platforms, but pop into Revival. If you see piles of fried chicken, <laughs> you are at the right place. You made it. Uh, you will, you've made it. You, you, you're going to find us there. Revival um, MN and Revival Smoked Meats. There we go. Revival MN and Revival Smoked Meats. Perfect. Boom. Yeah. And uh, uh, come and see us. Man. Like, we, we, we love what we do. And uh, we love making amazing fried chicken. We love chicken. what you do. Yeah, I, I like not to speak for Charles at all, but uh, we take food, if you're a listener, obviously pretty seriously. And I will 100% swear to you on our relationship as podcasters and listeners that that chicken is 100% worth it. The smoked meat's 100% worth it. Like every single time I go there, I'm proud that I spent yeah, money on They're great that. venues. They're they're done with intention. Yep. Like everything that's on those menus is really great. You can't yep. go wrong. Thank you guys. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like with intent. Like we love what we do. Um. But there's a reason for why we do it. There's a reason for what's on the menu and what's there. And thank you for the intention part because that's it's a it's a you know, um. You know, we used to say very early like hey we can i think we could do revival you know you know we don't want to compete with southern restaurants and things like that like like, we think it could grow anywhere like it'd be cool um but like you know i've spent time in in like in the carolinas and in tennessee and in georgia and like fuck they all need revival (laughs) they need revival like, cause, like, I think we're Cue some like Gregory Porter right here. You know like, what I'm revival. saying? Like, like, um, but uh, you know, uh, we really have amazing people at each of these locations that really truly care about what they are putting on those plates. And uh, wow, that's really hard. Um, and I'm, I'm just so thankful for them. So hell yeah, uh, come and see us, and um, you know, get get into some of that revival. So. Get some of that. Uh, get some of that chicken grease around your lips, like oh a like a God. scary clown, man. Mm. Run, run with it. Mm. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop there and get yeah, like a whole bird of chicken. Let's go. Oh, you know, I'm eat Are it we about to have a chicken home. eating contest? Oh, we might. Oh, we like might have fantasizing to. fantasizing about <laughs> oh, like, this episode. <laughs> we're gonna start with five whole birds. Let's. Okay. I, I'm in. Let's Let's don't tempt me with a good time. See how far we can get. Charles, what about you? You want to shout anything out? Yeah, you're looking at it. We're enthralled with the way things have been going lately. We have some huge things forthcoming. Uh, we're trying to keep the train running throughout our trip, so we'll hopefully have no blips. If we do, it might be a singular week, but we're trying to make sure that we're well-scheduled so that um, we we stay regular. you got to stay regular. Hey. That, that's it. And for, like, uh, speaking as the, the in-house audio producer as well, um, we're going to 
we're going to test run some some interesting versions of what we're doing. Uh, Charles and I are fortunate enough to be traveling with some some tech that uh, that his company bought, and we're going to we're going to record some stuff on the road, and it'll be a, di- a slightly different format, but we want to release that because we really want to keep talking to you as we travel. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to continue to keep traveling, and it'll be some regular format podcasts, but also some some fun kind of interactive stuff. Um, there'll be some video content, all kinds of stuff. So we, we have a lot of things coming and I just want to thank everybody out there listening. You're the reason that all of this is possible and we cannot wait to keep giving you more. Yes. Uh, it's, it's thank a you. lot of fun being on this adventure. Uh, I think one of the beauties of it is it was kind of unintentional. Uh, we started this as we felt this was something really fun to do for us and, and it was healing for us. It was good for us. And the more people that have agreed with that, sort of the more reach that we've gotten. And now there's a lot of things that I never would have thought were possible two years ago that are absolutely within our reach. So we have a project that we knew would grow as much as it allowed us to grow it. Yep. Yeah. You couldn't, I I could not have said that better. Um, So thank you from us and chef, thank you for being you. Uh, I I texted Charles uh, earlier. I was just so excited because you were kind of my first rock star chef. You were the things that were happening on Food Network when Food Network actually gave a shit about food. Those people just seemed kind of unattainable. And uh, when I first really got into the scene in downtown bartending uh, 21 years ago, I got to go to dine at a lot of places. But like I said, I had a little imposter syndrome. Like, I shouldn't be here. They're letting me be here because I know somebody, but like, this isn't my place. And one thing that I will forever be grateful to you, and I wanted to say this to your face, was you gave a lot of people like me a place where we felt like we belonged. And every single thing that you've opened since the first time that I ate at Corner Table has continued that tradition on. And I know that a lot of other people maybe have restaurants like that. I hope you get a chance to say that to the people that started them. Because no amount of hard work has gone unnoticed by people like Charles and I. And we're just so thankful that we get to live in your sphere where we get to we get to have access to that. So thank you for all of the work that it took to get you to where you are. And just know that you have a legion of people that are ready to support you in whatever endeavors come next. Well, I mean, that that means in so much. Uh, but I'm, I'm so humbled and, <laughs> and um, uh, I, I just I've had such a blast here today <laughs> and like just so honored to be here man um and uh thanks for supporting me and allowing me to do these things like and and this is a thing like like we're just you know like my business partner all the time we we just say we're we're a couple kids from st paul damn right that just you know keep on rolling the dice and working at it and trying to do cool shit and and hopefully like people show up right you know um (laughs) And, 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 and that, man, that spirit's still there. Like, yep. it's, we still feel that way, and, and we're still trying to, to push it, man. And, and uh, um, so thanks for showing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, thanks for that support. And uh, that's a two-way street, man. It's been cool to see what you're doing. <laughs> uh, it's been amazing to be a part of it today. Yeah. Uh, this has been so much fun and so cool. And uh, uh, we'll be listening and, and uh, um you know, really enjoying everything that you're doing moving ahead, man. Hell yeah. Well, so, uh, go get yourself some fried you chicken and then make sure that you eat it the next day out of the fridge because it's, it's just as good in a different way. 
<laughs> in every way. In every way. Well, we love you so much, and we'll see you next time. Bye.